All right, here we go. Gonna give it a little bit of a silence, and I'm coming in. Hello, everyone. Uh, God damn it! <laughs> I only have I only have one good one every show, <laughs> and that was it. It's nice to take it away from you every yep, once in a while. Every once in a while, you just <laughs> you punch me in the nuts right before we go on. Okay. Well, now that you got that out of the way. Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're Measuring Flicks Hello everyone, welcome to Measuring Flicks, I'm Carl Hartley And I'm Max Peterson, and welcome listeners to my birthday month. It's, it's a birthday month. Happy birthday, Max, again. Thank you. That was like weeks ago. We should I know. be almost done recording these episodes, and here we are in our first one. Well, it's summer. It's summer, but also, we, you and I had all this recording planned. Um, yes. Social media posts. Yes. We were going to, there was a live show that we were going to do, but we're gonna then. We're going to be responsible podcasters. Yes. But then what happened instead was uh, a good friend of mine came up from Grand Rapids. So what we decided to do is rather than just burn the whole week on like mm-hmm. rampant drinking, which is what we've basically been doing so far. Which sounds fantastic. And it was. Uh, Seeing you at the winery is wonderful. Yeah, it was wonderful. One, wonderful winery adventurous. Dude, getting getting to see the place where you work for the first time, I was yeah, like, dude, I see why. Gorgeous. I see why Carl like stays here, even though it does kind of push him to the brink of madness. About nine months out of the year, yeah. Um, so before we let my my good friend go back to where she came from, which is Pensacola, New Hampshire. Yeah, she's from pencil, Pen- pencil, pencil, Pensacola. Pensacola, fresh from Colorado Springs, New Hampshire. <laughs> New Hampshire. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Um, for first time guest host, Alicia. Alicia, say hi so people can know what your voice sounds like. I'm Alicia. Hi. That's Alicia. <laughs> um, we also have um long like multi recurring guest host who keeps Carl and I from getting into trouble on numerous. She tries. Episodes. She does. She's like actually does a really good job of it. Most of the time, but then other times she's like a seatbelt in the 1970s, just non-existent while yep. we fly through the windshield yep. of and our it's own. it's not even safety glass back then. <laughs> it also, welcome back to the show, my lovely, talented wife. It's the artist, Bird. Hey. Just a one. I really can't save you guys from yourselves. Hey, no, 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 no. We're damned. We're just, we're like, yep. we're honestly damned. Four years into this, I mean... She's like she's like a missionary yeah. rolling into Sparta, like, you guys need to get some Jesus you in your hearts. You can't say just- words like missionary. I mean, we're, yeah, I guess, I guess not. Is that, is that bad now? I think it might be. We just got Do you have to put like an explicit writing on this or something? We I put an explicit on, on every episodes. single you say even missionary? That's like a bad word. Uh, we say, there's a lot we say on here. That's a bad <laughs> word. Um, so today let's, let's get in, let's dive into what we're talking about today because at some point, allegedly, um, Alicia is going to have to drive. So we're going right. to just pump beers into her until that point. <laughs> going to feed her a bunch of dark beers. Yeah. And then we'll see, we'll be like, all right, text us if you get home. <laughs> all right. Let us know, let us know what the on-ramp to Colorado, New Hampshire looks like. Yeah. Colorado Springs, New Hampshire. She's like, guys, that was so fucked up on fucking bourbon barrel aged beers. I drove to Colorado Springs, Oregon. <laughs> God. That's a whole other two and a half days. I went completely the wrong way for days on end because I just, I just was that fucked up. That's I don't know why you sound like like that, but that in my head that is it's a ex- pretty accurate. I was gonna, I was gonna say, how do you feel that that's his impression of you? So, so I was hanging out with Alicia the other day, and she was like, "Hey man, I think we should go out and like look and have some beers, man." I mean, you hear, you listener, you've heard her. That's how she sounds. Yeah. Wow. All right. 
Let's burn through the top so we can get into this fucking insane thing we're gonna talk about today. See, it's not just me. Alright. So when you pick audio podcast, everyone who sorry. everyone who has beers, when you pick them up, just tip them, and it breaks the seal. If I tip them, I'm gonna spill okay, beer on your. You guys just have me drunk as aggressively alone as I. <laughs> We are a listener-supported podcast, so that if you surprises me every time. I know every time I say, it, I'm like, there are actually listeners who give us money and make us continue to do this. <laughs> so if you want to be one of those patrons or find out more about what that looks like and what you can get, you can head on over to Patreon.com/QuillandFilm. Q-U-I-L-L-A-N-D-F-I-L-M. You get full-length bonus episodes, and I'm talking like hefty boys carl and i are not doing like 30 minute mm-mm, episodes mm-mm, for the patrons they're mm-mm. getting that two- no top five lists on this motherfucker oh, bro it's like deep cuts like we're gonna talk about halloween resurrection for two hours even though that movie warrants about three minutes of conversation you know what's crazy about movies like that they come up in future episodes because they had such an impact on the entire catalog of movies in our brains right it changes the way watching something that egregiously shitty it does change yeah. how you feel about everything else yep. um you can also get shout outs on the show where we thank you what do those sound like they sound a little something like this we'd love to thank cynthia van Manen. oh yeah we'd love to, well what's your preference this is a closed was... set <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'd also like to thank uh, Glitterati Casey Shabby. Mm-hmm. Can't forget to thank Connor Sweenster, the Sween, McMa- the Sween McManny man. Sweenster. He, he put our meat in his mouth the other night. Dude, he did. He was over and, <laughs> well, now, listener, we had a cookout. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, context. We haven't all three of us been together. Yeah. For like since before COVID, I think. Mandy was the last time I saw the three of you together, and that was a minute ago. We were in his basement fear in 2019. Loathing, loathing. Uh, leaving Las leaving Vegas. Leaving Las Vegas. Yeah, watching that live and then watching watching Connor like well, struggle and to then find watching meaning. Me fall apart, remembering the bad times. <laughs> we would love to thank uh, John Shibe, Kelly and Mike Wagner, David Rowney, Brian Jackson. He also put our meat in his mouth. Brian Jackson? No, David Rowney. David. Dude, posh British accent. Dude, you don't hear it in the text messages that you get from him, but then he shows up. That's a pretty good weed, that. I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> We'd also love to thank uh, Sister Sarah Hartley. I can't remember if I said him or not because, honestly, he's kind of elusive and hard to hard to know. William Rockwood? Yeah. Is he you real? Do you think he's a Russian bot? He's a spy. He's clearly a spy. All right. Well, thank you for your... With a great... We would like to think... With no bullshit, one of the best, like... His taste in music is stupid good. I want to be the DJ in his brain. Don't you want him to be the DJ? <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. Okay. That's absolutely what I meant. We'd also like to thank Baloney Shoes. Thank you so Bologna much, Baloney Shoes. Baloney shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie Ty, Jeffrey T. Morgan, Kevin Ramirez, thank you kindly. How could we possibly do a Patreon shout out without thanking Cassandra? If you don't listen to Cassandra Explains It All, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. You're messing your life up. You're gonna die and have regrets. So you know go and listen you know to that, that song. Show. You know what else Ooh, is magical? That Watch, show is hard. Watching a movie that you the hate, heart, the, <laughs> but <laughs> but I get to pick all the movies for June. Carl gets you, to pick. You like a thousand. You bet a thousand. Like until now. I, only lovers left alive. Come yeah, on, dude. I had some good ones. Eraserhead. You, cha- you literally changed my life and my perspective of movies and music in the first two, three, first three seasons. And then of this. there was Neon Demon. I see 20 or 30 girls come in here every day. 
from small towns with big dreams. Some girls crack under the pressure. You, you're going to be great. What's it feel like to walk into a room? It's like in the middle of winter. You're the sun. everything. You know what my mother used to call me? Dangerous. <laughs> You're a dangerous girl. She was right. I am dangerous. You do die, like, very shortly after that, though. Yeah, so... <laughs> She talks mad shit, and I'm like, oh. Listener, we just listened to and watched the trailer. Did you? Did anyone else, just watching that trailer just now, did anyone else kind of get, like, drived by the trailer? Where you watch the trailer and you're, you're like, like, oh, my God. It's not the same movie that the trailer no. is. No. Which is, uh, what's, you know, people go to film school. Hold on. Wait really quick. Cast list. Go do it. And then we'll it. dive the fuck in. So this is directed by <laughs> Nicholas yeah. Winding Refn. Um, director of photography, Natasha Breyer. Music by Cliff Martinez, who did the music for Drive. Edited by Matthew Newman, who also edited both Drive and Bronson, uh, the first Nicholas Winding Refn film we ever watched for the show back in season zero, which you can get free on Patreon.com. Costume design by uh, Aaron Benach, and starring Elle Fanning, Keanu Reeves, Jenna Malone, Bella Heathcote, Carl Glusman, Abby Lee from uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Dude, I was so proud of myself yeah, hearing you, that her was voice. Like was like a deep pull, too. I was like, that's her. That is 100% her. Desmond Harrington, who plays our photographer Jack. You all might know him as the asshole cop from Dexter. He plays the best asshole cop. Also, Christina Hendricks. Y'all have seen Mad Men. Let's go around in a circle and uh, and say what we thought about this movie. Give me Just give me your gentle impressions. We'll see where we go from there. St- going, starting at my left. Oh, cool. Bird. Um, nope, starting at my right. <laughs> <laughs> Making me? The yeah. Best? I've never even done this. Welcome okay. to the program. Doesn't matter. It's fun. Um, Jump in the deep end. What'd you think of the neon <laughs> demon? Spoilers. <laughs> Not like a pressure in the deep end. Overall, I would say I liked it. Like, there are so many strong elements to the movie. Um, and the one thing that we kept talking about last night was just how the dialogue was complete trash mm-hmm. yeah. besides and besides the dialogue being complete trash i thought you know the visuals beautiful cinematography music the score everything is great i don't know i think it's a movie that speaks more through symbols it's something mm-hmm. that i kept coming back to last night it speaks more in symbols and images and through the music so i'm wondering yeah like does the dialogue matter um so after sitting on it for a day i think this movie is uh kind of garbage okay yeah all right pretty much garbage sure bird uh very boring film uh, interspersed with some really beautiful visuals and a great soundtrack. Mm. I feel like there's some capital H, capital A high art bullshit happening here. And uh, from reading a lot of the notes on IMDb, uh, it sounds like a lot of this film was improvised. Mm. So I don't, I don't even know if he knew like what the major beats were, or maybe that's all he knew. I don't think that he knew like what the themes that he wanted to be working with mm-hmm. were, or the symbols that he wanted. It just was very messy. It didn't seem like there was a 
Like vision. Yeah, vision. He's happening leaving it up here. to like the it's actors, actresses, and then the viewers too to kind of piece together what messy. his message or meaning is. But if you don't have a message or meaning to start with, that's just lazy and bad filmmaking. Um, we watched Last Tango in Paris during season one. Yeah. That film is entirely improvised as well. But yeah. I'm not saying that you couldn't make it come together sometimes but you have that to works like and sometimes it editing. doesn't and i think this is a case where it just didn't work i know okay. like american beauty right like that was completely different before they went in and edited yeah. and sliced out big portions and moved things around right um i don't know if it was like that or if he even had a vision going into it but apparently he gave uh whoever i think the um director of photography i think um he gave her a script natasha brayer and um, she's like, yeah, I hate this script. And he's like, oh, it's not even the real script. Ha, 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 ha. I, this movie, and I'm, I'm still sitting where I was last night with this movie. It's like watching at the same time. It's like you got 3D glasses on yeah. and the red eye, you know, like the red eye is this shitty movie. And then the blue eye is like this visionary masterpiece. And they're happening simultaneously almost the entire two hour runtime. Mm-hmm. And your brain can barely handle it. You're like... I can't fucking tell if this is like one of the most brilliant things I've ever seen or if this is like hot dog shit. I yeah. honestly can't tell. I was struggling with that the entire time and I landed on the dog shit side. I landed, I'm going to land on the visionary side after talking to Alicia specifically about the dialogue because I stand by what I said last night. I think every element of this film is well executed except for the writing. I think all of the writing is hot shit. But is that intentional? Does it, and if it is, that was the the wrong choice. See, now that's that was my question to Alicia. Alicia, let's before we go any further. This is a movie that has some of the most striking visuals that I've ever seen in it. Like visually, if you took if you just cut and cut the score everything, yeah. yeah, beautiful. So, and we were talking about it last and night. The pairing of all of it too is perfect. Mm-hmm. Like when that is happening. Actually, well. re- really quick, Carl, where do you? So, are you still of a mind where that? I mean, score. You still love the score? Oh my god, it's um, I, I own it now. I don't think the movie would be yeah. what it is without the no, score. No, absolutely it felt like not. A dream sequence because of the score. But when you put it together as a film, the film is not good. I think all of the individual parts, except the writing, but are literally ten out of ten. Part, especially if you're trying to tell some sort of story that is nebulous to begin with that apparently didn't have any direction from the main writer because we're going to make it up. Yeah, As, also some of the directing choices were just kind of clunky. You, you, if you're going to do that, you have to have a clear vision one for of, that to work. One of the things Bird found out last night was Refn gave the script to Elle Fanning to rewrite. And we found out that when this started... A 16-year-old actress, She's a right? 16-year-old actress, yeah. and he, That makes the whole thing a little even more like... Oof. So he like gave her the script... But why would you do that? Specif- well, it was specifically to make the female dialogue more real. Because he's like, I'm not a 16-year-old girl. I don't know how they talk. Oh, Jesus Christ. So he gives the script... Neither does Stephen King. Exactly. No, I'm with you on it's this, but... It's job. Right. You're a- I, I can't say that the cinematography is not like almost perfect. It is. The score is outstanding. The costume design is outstanding. The editing... Editing is unreal. Like all of the elements of filmmaking Except are there. Except for the actual. It's not. Thing that you're... But it's not even just the writing. I think it's the dialogue specifically, yeah. and yeah, specifically the dialogue. And the weird thing we've we've seen this before in, in movies, you know. But it, usually it's in like one small scene where the dialogue is really bad. So every time right. someone's talking, it sucks. But when they stop talking, the actors all do like. They start doing like f- like facial acting and mm-hmm. like body language stuff, and you're like, oh damn! If the writing was better. That scene would have been 10 Every out of 10. Every single scene was crap dialogue. All the dialogue is 
pretty I, bad. I don't there's, know. I feel like there are scenes where there's no talking, and you're like, why is this even in this movie? What is this supposed to mean? Yeah, I'm still kind of wondering about that. It was one of the first scenes where they're in the club, and they come out of the bathroom, and then there there's like the black and white strobe lights kind of. Right. Black and white. Colors really matter. Yeah, because there's and a like, show happening. There's a show. And yeah, there's only but then it goes four on for of so them long. there plus the... You're a dangerous girl. What do you think about the dialogue? Um... Well, it just seems so, like so simplistic and superficial and almost vapid. And I'm just wondering if if that was an intentional choice on his part because we're it's this is a movie about like models and fashion and a world that's very superficial and vapid and simplistic. So is he trying to like convey certain elements about their life, their thinking, how they interact with each other and then the what really matters is the aesthetics, the the costume design and all the other things. I don't know if that was an intentional thing or if it was a happy accident Whoa. or if it was a complete accident and he didn't mean for it to suck. But where everything else is so beautiful, but it's hollow and meaningless inside. Yeah, exactly. Have like I have so everything is rebuttals. superficial. Rebuttal. Rebut away. Buttle. Two two butts. <laughs> Refn is like really known for sparse dialogue. He could have just done like almost no dialogue. Mm-hmm. And two, it's just like really poorly clunky, clunkily written but if he dialogue. Is like he could have, dialogue. he could have written like really fluffy, stupid dialogue, but still that sounded natural. There's only one movie I can think of of his where I thought that the writing, the dialogue, the narration was actually pretty Bronson. fucking top tier, and it's Bronson. Like even Drive, it's the the stuff is so sparse and spare and simple. It's like you coming. I think it's like. For it to be so consistently bad, like, I don't know. I just lean towards it had to be intentional I, because like, I like you your... have to have moments of like, oh, wow, that was profound. And that really contributes something to the narrative or to the character development or something. I, I like your but word, was like, like, hollow, shallow, vapid. Like, I, I get the gut reaction of bad because it is. It's bad dialogue. Like, Well, it's hard to sit with because you're being forced to, like, endure it while you're watching a movie. So I, I don't think that I don't think that you think of. OK, OK. So Nicholas Winding Refn, we know that he's not directing Black Panther 2 anytime soon. You know, this is a dude, whether we like him or not, and I do like a lot of his stuff. I love Bronson. I love Drive. I love Only God Forgives. Those are amazing. Valhalla Rising is so on the edge of, there's only 400 words in like the whole movie. Mm -hmm. And it's like two hours 40. It's so fucking sparse. He lands for me like other filmmakers of, of this ilk, in a way like Jim Jarmish, right? Jim Jarmish, when he shows you something, when he presents a vision, he presents his vision. And if you if you get it... That's and, the thing, he has a vision. I think yeah. Nicholas Winning Refn does, but it's just different. I think he's kind of, as a filmmaker, I think he's more interested in and steeped in like the visual aspects. And in a weird way, I feel like, like Neon Demon was almost kind of like a, a high point for him in that regard, which is... Mm. If you can't you can't make the dialogue totally sparse and spare and like just not include a lot of it because that's not how this world works. This world of high fashion is like let's all talk to each other and pay lip service and everyone's always chattering, right? But every, it means nothing. Everything everyone says is like it's hollow and, and meaningless because the way the dialogue is is pretty much irrelevant because one, it's almost contentless. It doesn't drive the plot forward. It doesn't build character. It does nothing. It's pointless to even have in the film. Mm-hmm. But but I maybe that's intentional. And now wait, before you go like, well, yes, that's a choice and it didn't work for me because I didn't enjoy it. Maybe we maybe the only way to think of the neon demon in any like positive light 
or or as like a, a complete piece rather than like oh he nailed it except for he sucks at writing is to look at it as like a very hardcore art house film like this movie's which is clearly it, what it wants it to be could have i think gone, it is. could have pushed it further and gone dialogueless or no 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 i don't i think that's the wrong direction though because like you need all of this like like babbling inanity because the way they actually communicate they were making like deep and profound statements about like the nature of the fashion industry even like inadvertently mm-hmm. it would be like mm, that's inauthentic maybe don't even think of it as dialogue Why not think- just like make it nonsense words then like oh. make up a language or some what shit I- yes yes that's a fucking excellent idea the other way you could do this and, and achieve this same effect is have all the keep everything in keep all the dialogue and everyone talks and everything and then go back into the master audio that has all the audio files and mute all the dialogue and just you can that way the cliff martinez scores still there you still get the footfalls and all the all the like um the foley's all there but every time someone talks nothing comes out of their mouth yeah you just see like moving mouths because honestly if you could watch that movie this way this is Words are not how these women communicate with each other. I also think that Mm -hmm. each of them, like, they have the sense of being completely lonely and isolated. And I think part of what contributes to that is that their dialogue is so vapid and empty and they can't really form these authentic relationships because the words that they're speaking aren't real or meaningful or deep or hinting at anything else. I think... Oh, go ahead. Well, no, and that's... It's all of the characters seem to be wanting for something. They're just, like, on the outskirts and really... They, like, want beauty or sex or whatever it is, but, like, they can't make these actual real human connections because all they really care about is the aesthetics and the beauty and what they're wearing and the makeup and the hair, which is what we're focusing on because it's so jaw-dropping beautiful. Well, it was the line, like, beauty isn't beauty isn't the most important thing. Beauty is everything. The, yeah. Is the only the thing. Only beauty thing. is the only thing. So what I wrote uh, uh, along this line, I started thinking of these women as bees, they, they do, like, make noise, and they there is, like, this burble that happens. But really, the way that they communicate, in the same way that we were talking in Tulane Blacktop, there's no dialogue because right. these people communicate through cars and pointing at this and how fast can you go and look at this beautiful machine. Talking isn't really how they talk to each other. This is all body language, color palette, which you pointed out, which I thought was brilliant. And I wrote down pheromones, too. You can't smell the film, but you do get kind of a sense of every time someone opens their mouth. You're hoping for something like, oh, this is going to be the time. They're going to say something. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, every time you're disappointed. But when they stop talking... When there's when it's just like just a a, just a visual shot with Cliff Martinez's like synths going on in the background, Elle Fanning's facial work is pretty good, pretty Mm -hmm. pretty fucking great. The body language, even um. So I've only seen her in two films. She's been in a couple more, but Abby Lee, who plays Sarah, you know, she Bird pointed out she started as like a model. So when her when she's like delivering lines, and it's kind of strange, but I think her line deliveries are among the best. And I wonder if that's because she's from this world, mm-hmm. and she actually does talk. Like she understands what this speech is, which she has is the like, tongue for it. She yeah yeah. This is her native tongue, which is like I'm gonna say some like fairly meaningless stuff. And this, I'm not after Abby Lee here. I'm no, saying no. like that's what she she was given this script and she's like i know how to say this i know how to say this to uh, to like other other women in fashion even like keanu reeves too i mean he is like super well-known actor and like very accomplished and i felt like but his he hasn't lines... done a lot of like real acting though let's be honest uh, i love keanu reeves so do i maybe maybe a lot of this is me trying to forgive the sins of a film that i at the end of the movie and i'm sitting here and i go i fucking really liked that movie and I'm trying to square the one. 
there's like this one fucking outlier element that's just so bad that it mars well, everything. I almost kind of think of it as poetry too, though. Like when sometimes you read poetry and it's like the words, the, the actual words on the page don't necessarily matter. It's like the sounds of the words or the mm-hmm. images that are coming through um, and all the other things that are underneath the text that actually convey the meaning or the message or have make you have an emotional response to the writing. Um, and I kind of saw the, the movie like poetry in that sense. Like the words, mm-hmm. the dialogue... The actual words, the script doesn't really matter, but like the images and the music and mm-hmm. every other element is what is speaking to us and conveying some message, whether that be intentionally or not. Maybe it was a happy accident that he just kind of like threw all these pieces together and it came out meaning something or not meaning something. And maybe it's our job to figure it out. But yeah, it just felt like poetry. Yeah, I feel like he's very lucky in the fact that he had someone that happens to shoot incredibly beautifully and uh composer that happens to write incredibly well. Oh no, well. man. He's, if you look, I would say if you look at any of his movies, any of them, even like something with Valhalla Rising that basically has no dialogue in it, mm-hmm. he is f- over at least five films and he does have like a documentary called My Life directed by Nicholas Winding Refn, which I have not seen, but I have seen those other five and I would say consistently through all of his movies, all of them share the following, the following aspects. They're impeccably shot gorgeous very startling evocative powerful primal symbolic imagery all over all of them the score is universally great like he works with the absolute best people the only element that i feel like is lacking in all of them he's responsible for directly well, no, I, I don't. You don't you think like? I mean, everything is collaborative. Working on the write script. a script well, for him, yeah. right? But the, well, you're not like you're not sending your DP off to shoot the thing, and then you're hanging out at home. Like, you, like the reason that his, I think he, I think he has a really consistent vision, and I think to him, it's actually kind of like what L was saying. Mm-hmm. Like, actually, or not L, Jesse. I'm sorry. It's kind of like what Jesse was saying when she's talking to Dean early on in the movie, and she's like. I'm not good at anything. I don't have any. I yeah. don't have any skills. I can't write. She literally says the words, "I can't, I can't write." write. Yeah. But she says, "But I'm pretty." Watch every Nicholas Winning Refn film, and you're like, every single frame of every single Aww. film he's ever made are all fucking gorgeous. But so, he can't write. But he can't write, and maybe he's acknowledging it here and saying, like, I'm trying to find a way to operate in Hollywood because, dude, look. You can't present these movies that are two hours, two and a half hours to a modern modern audience without words. You just can't do it. So maybe this is an artist who's not suited to a modern audience, a, a mass audience's sensibilities. Can you imagine this being like a blockbuster film? No, this film is aimed at like right. 10,000 so people across the world. You know, Maybe this was a shortcoming of his, but it just in the context of this film, it ended up, it ended up being a strength because... Like this is it's a world of modeling and of a, you know vapid characters and so it just happened to work out that the dialogue could be vapid and empty and maybe that wasn't even intentional or you don't need to like call him a genius or something but I'm wondering if maybe he built that in as like his his like pressure valve because he's like audiences are not going to watch a two hour movie with no words in it so I have to put words in. Just make but, it but if you're only making it for 10,000 people, you're not making it for that big blockbuster audience. You can't have it both ways. And, and that's what the would, crazy elements are. The, the right. mountain lion and the eating the eyeball. Sorry, spoiler. But like, Carl, would you sit down yeah. and watch two hours, any two or two and a half hour film with literally no dialogue? Absolutely. Zero. Yeah, but we're doing a... But this film has naked women and pretty women and mountain lions and eyeballs and weird, Blood. weird We stuff. watch a lot of, well, I mean... You watch Jarmish, and there's sometimes very sparse dialogue or little to no dialogue. Yeah, and I think I like Nicholas. But everything Winning- that is said is like 
Because Jarmish is a masterful a writer. writer. What I'm trying to say, though, is like what you, you, you said earlier that this, this movie isn't intended for, this isn't Black Panther Part 2. Right. This is intended for like 10,000 people to see. Yeah. Then why are you making the movie through that filter of ten, more than 10,000 people are going to see this? So then make a movie with no dialogue. Only ten. This is intended for only 10,000 people. If he wants to make it that beautiful, he needs a, it was like a $7 million budget, right? Right. right. So like if he wants that budget and to make it this beautiful, he has to bring in a bigger audience because he has to earn. He's got to get the money from somewhere. There are so many elements of this movie that I could get into and talk about and love, but they are all visual, Mm -hmm. symbolic. There's a lot of imagery in this. It will just be there in my brain. It's in my brain now. So I I don't know. Do you think we'll be able to... Do you think we'll be able to settle the the dialogue debate, or no. do you want to dig into? And I think some... it's impossible to I think know it's what about, his intent. Yeah, was. right. Because we're talking about a, a a filmmaker's intent when there's clearly no one is sure what the intention was. I just it was such a big miss for me that it did affect the rest of the movie. Where it's I do I do love the visuals and the score so much that you know I probably will give this another watch. But like it's so hard to it's you know, so hard to get around the. Some of the other problems I have too, which is the, the writing's not good. Just the story I don't really care about either. Okay, I, I just don't understand. He has such pull; like he could have hired a great writer right. to give his idea and his like first draft a great pass and spruce it up. And but it's also the the direction that the that he's giving to the actresses, mm-hmm. and they're just they're presenting it poorly as well. Right. When you've got people who don't have an acting background and you're asking them to improv. Some of them nail it. I mean, I, I, I think the standout for this entire film is Abby Lee as Sarah. Yeah. Like she, there's not a moment in this movie where I think. Because she, of her acting? This is literally what she does. Yeah. Yeah. So. Like, and uh, there are other like high fashion models that were hired for this film. Um, we were talking about whether we would consider at this point in her career Elle Fanning as like an actress or as a model because of course she's on the cover of like a bajillion magazines at this point but she is also like primarily an actress. I was surprised by how like the chemistry between Elle Fanning and Abby Lee throughout the film especially the scene in the bathroom where she's on the ground is outstanding. Bird was talking about mirrors and how there's so many mirrors in this. Mm-hmm. She even pointed out at one point do you want do you want to talk about the moon? Oh how the yeah, moon doesn't pitch create its own light it just reflects the light of the sun back the moon is a mirror you know so So like so much of this movie is shot in like reflection and shot like with mirrors and i messed me up when she was signing the parental consent form like did she just sign that from right to left left-handed backwards yeah you're like what the but then you realize it's in a mirror mirror. um but jesse is jesse also a mirror because we see at the beginning of the movie, Jesse's very like, um, I can, do I want to take a, do you want to take my picture? And that's exactly the kind of woman and girl that Dean wants. Mm-hmm. He wants someone he can take care of. And, and he's really kind of, you know. This he, sweet girl from Alabama, Georgia. Where did she come from? Where, somewhere. Georgia, Georgia, but, Georgia but Peach. Or that's yeah. one of the, yeah. that's one of the cool things about Jesse though, is Jesse really doesn't have a past. She does not have a history. We don't know where she's from. We don't know what happened to her parents. She's a complete blank slate. Right. And right. reflects back whatever anyone, whatever the person who's looking at her wants. Which is why everyone immediately sees what they want to see. Exactly. Yeah. And, and we miss that sometimes. I was, we, you said this, Max, that like 
she's kind of homely at certain points. You're looking at her like, I don't yeah, know why the they think prettiest. she's so beautiful. Um, but people see in her what they want. So right. she's just a mirror or the moon. We had another analogy that she was like a blank palette and they literally paint on her. Mm-hmm. That was like one a of blank canvas. That was yeah. one of Bird's notes. They literally one of the first photographers who does a proper photo shoot with her literally paints on her as though she's a blank canvas. And um like it, strips her down naked. And, and it, in that moment, that's where we, I, we were started talking about like the um where she is can actually be. It, it, I think it's to both Elle Fanning's credit and Nicholas winning reference credit and the the DP and like makeup department where she literally and this sounds like an insult but in a movie about beauty it becomes a really important element there's many moments in here where she's like so homely you almost don't want to look at her yeah like they really can make her look unattractive and maybe you're supposed to be feeling like the other models like what are they seeing, are they seeing her? Mm-hmm. yeah and and throughout the movie there there are these moments where like for example you know she's standing there like with her hands in front of her her waist and her hands at her side. Her makeup isn't done. Her makeup's she's not like, really done. And she doesn't... Her lingerie isn't even... Like, when she gets the job for the runway, she's little, in, like... It looks a little run down. Yeah. yeah. And everyone else is, like, fit and yeah. very, like... Yeah. Not that Elle Fanning's not, like, totally fit and... But but she's but like, like yeah. she's kind of clopping around. She like, is and right. She was walking like with her shoulders all slumped yeah. or like I don't I don't I so get it. I think that that's what the other women see when they see her. But I think it's interesting that when she first does the photo set with Jack, she's like hands in front of her waist, hands at her side, look around all strange because she's still playing the Dean character. That's the photographer she met, and that photographer wanted a meek kind of innocent, doe-eyed victim sort of or like somebody who he could like take care of jack is a different kind of photographer and when jack comes over with he like gets his body paints those gold paints and when he starts painting her you see her change into Mm -hmm. his fantasy Mm -hmm. she like when she's got her her throat exposed and he's like he's like painting her neck she like accepts it almost. Not it becomes yeah. sensual. She also gets like a like a fierceness to her. Yeah, that's that facial performance mm-hmm. where and and the weird. The first time I noticed that I was like, she's changing. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, and the weird thing it's, it's when she was painted gold. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like she, by just by contact or being close to this other person, she starts to like. That's what we, we had a big debate last night about whether Jesse is this like innocent person who's corrupted by the fashion industry or whether she's like this per- and Bird has some film evidence that points to the latter this like master manipulator who can almost instantaneously read what someone's like perfect ideal is and transforms into it and i love l's or l fanning's facial performance in the jack photo shoot it doesn't hurt that they're in like the one of the coolest sets i've ever seen in my fucking life it was so disorienting it's just white so it's um, like the loading screen from the Matrix when they yes. in the loading program. <laughs> yes, the, like we don't even know that her backstory is true. We don't know yeah. that anything know she anything says is true. true. Right, right. We, we have it could we have, all be a fabrication. Just she's telling them what she thinks they want to hear. Exactly. Well, that's what the the agent says at the beginning. People believe what you what they what you tell them. What they're told. Right. So what they're yeah. told. I feel like throughout the movie, the movie kind of gives you hints like that. People will believe what you tell them. And I feel like that's maybe why the dialogue matters. Well. That's one of the reasons maybe the dialogue is okay, even though it's really shitty. Like when it's happening, you you use it later throughout the movie to kind of piece things together. 
Right. They're the, breadcrumbs. And you just have to like mm-hmm. follow them to some. There are these little. House. I'm actually glad that this split this way where we've got two people who are like, nah, dog. Because you're going to keep me for sure, me grounded. Because I'm just, you know, every fucking film I oh, watch. Yeah, I'm going to just be like, you love it. I love it. I love everything, Carl. No, I get it, man. I drank this warm beer and there was only one cigarette in it. <laughs> I was like, it was, it was so my good. Favorite. So we were talking about how, like, so Jesse's kind of like, like almost homely, plain, innocent, bright eyed girl. And then mm-hmm. he get by just in the way that she manipulates her face and like lets her lets her lids go heavy lets her um you know lets her like her there she settles into it yes there's this it's really cool we talk about it with daniel day lewis we talk about it with these like robin williams these top tier actors who can do say nothing do nothing but like really subtly rear like change or flex muscles in their face and suddenly they almost look like a different person Mm -hmm. when we see elle fanning she does it a few times when, this, when they yeah. walk into that restaurant during the beauty is beauty is everything or beauty is mm-hmm. the only yeah, thing she's transformed she's got her mad bitch face I on. did not yeah. even know that was Elle Fanning yeah. until he says look at Jesse I was I thought Dean was out with like some other girl yeah and then you look at her again and you're like holy shit that is Elle Fanning because she went through her black swan transformation exactly. yeah. so all these like also, minor illusions throughout the film pulling like, her hair back so tightly that it's like stretching as all a, of her features as after a method the, oh, well after the other model was like oh I had to have my ears pulled back so that I could have a ponytail it was almost the like a big fuck thing, you she's got a right, huge immediately ponytail. has a ponytail yeah, yeah. I, I think it's cool that they do pin my, have my ears pinned they do draw attention mm-hmm. to L Fanning's ears, like just just that person's ears, they do kind of like stick out a little bit. But it it's that thing. There's a famous famous Edgar Allan Poe quote that I've said Ooh, on the show yes. over and over again. The thing that distinguishes a true beauty from a shop window dummy is some strangeness of proportion. Mm. So like a perfectly symmetrical face. We actually we literally get this as a scene where yeah. a person who has force forcibly made themselves perfect stands she looks up like a clown mm-hmm. and they dean turns over and he goes you know like is she beautiful yeah yeah she's fine but he won't say she's beautiful because she's she's all right she's she's fine, fine. exactly great exactly exactly dean that's the word i was looking for she's fine you can sit down now dear Ugh. and you look at oh uh, you may be no. excused now yeah like oh. so dude sad. when christina Hendricks walks out to the waiting room and looks at the girls for like 10 seconds she goes you, you can, can leave yep. yeah. and then just bails out of there you're like this industry wow. fucking sucks oh sarah well, you're fired like <laughs> yeah gorgeous. wait really you can't do this you can't just fire me like just casually firing that shows how this industry runs which is like moment to moment mm-hmm. if you are not the most beautiful thing there 20 21 yeah and you're out yeah, they're yeah. exactly like yeah. Twenty one's kind of like the end of the expiration date. Ha, twenty one. Try like try twenty. I know, right? And you're like, when you hear that, you're like, twenty. Twenty is your expiration date. Twenty is the out on modeling. How the fuck do you build a career? There's and there, how many Tyra Banks's are there? So how you many literally models? have to eat the young. I mean, Abby Lee is That is the one good bit of dialogue that came back to me when they're having the conversation about they name everything after food or sex. So which one are you, food or sex? Right. They literally ask her which one. And when she doesn't give her sex, she's food. She's a dessert. She's so sweet. She's dessert because she's so sweet. But is she? Because when she, I think she goes down pretty goddamn bitter later on, man. (laughs) They can't keep her down because she was a succubus. Succubus. (laughs) (laughs) Um... So one thing that I wrote, and here's the there's something that we should address right now because it's gonna create some strange conversations as we go forward in this movie about uh, beauty, is when this film was shot, Elle Fanning was 16 years old. She was 18 when it was released. So take all this 
take everything we're saying and just like keep that in your head as we go. There are so Elle Fanning's got this when they've got her hair pulled way back or when they have her in like kind of these dowdy like floppy clothes or whatever. She, you are kind of like wow. I don't. I really don't see what anyone sees in her. And then each person who sees something in her physically transforms her to show us what they see. Mm-hmm. Jack is the first big example of that. And there, it's you. I think it's kind of like a titanic accomplishment for this film that you get to see Jesse for the first time like five times throughout the movie. You're like, man, I don't, I don't get what anyone sees. She, she looks kind of strange here. And then the, the body paint and her head comes down and the lighting changes and she changes her face. And suddenly she is breathtakingly mm-hmm. beautiful. And you're like, oh my She's God. She's a goddess. Yeah, mm-hmm. she, she literally becomes like, like the high watermark of physical beauty. And you're yeah. like, holy shit. And you watch it happen because it's like some of it's a one shot. Yeah, and all that does, all that changes, is like the set of her shoulders and the like, the look of her eye, and she's partic- she's specifically and particularly feeding into certain people's fantasies, and that's what transforms her into like this like take your breath away thing. It, I there's no supernatural elements in here really, but I kept wondering. I kept wondering. Well, there there are some definite magics happening. I mean, you don't just eat a person. I mean, maybe you do. Is it literal cannibalism? Literal cannibalism. I mean, we see I think her glass eye come up. cannibalism is supposed to be symbolic, though. Right. Actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, yeah. I do actually <laughs> think that she works in the... In, in, in so she can fuck dead bodies. That's... I could not stop thinking last night, because we see when we see Ruby's tattoos, you're yeah. like... Yeah. Oh, I, I, my postulate... What I postulate for those three characters, Ruby and the two other models, who are like kind of... coven? Dude, it is kind of a <laughs> yeah. coven. This is not the first... It's coven. <laughs> Coven, <laughs> which Sorry. we sh- will do. We need, we need to do American movie or whatever. That we'll was. do American movie and Coven as like a oh Patreon God, double feature or something. You. you almost you get this. Do you get the sense that they have eaten people before? Oh yeah, for oh, sure. This is not. I think especially uh, Hunger Games, whatever her name is. Yeah. Um, uh, she well, has because the, the bathroom scene, right? Yeah. Well, that's, she's sitting in the tub. She's totally covered. That's not Hunger Games, the... chick, is it? Oh, oh it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. it is. I'm sorry. Wrong yeah. person. Different thing. Okay. The makeup artist. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Ruby. Jenna Ruby. Malone. Jenna yeah. Malone. Right. Okay, yeah. She, this is the best. She's wonderful in this. I think she is the best of all of them. Uh-huh. I, I mean, she still even... has garbage dialogue to say. Oh, but... yeah. Okay. You know, okay. I'm, there are Abby Lee and Jenna Malone. Yeah. Anybody else? Think hard. Is there any other like? Rip? I like the face act. The three or four times that we see the actual transformation of Elle Fanning, when there are incredible bits of micro face acting. If they had happening, if they hadn't given her so much to say, Elle yeah. Fanning would be on that list too. Because oh, absolutely. Her, just her physical performance alone. If you could cut out all the all the dialogue bits yeah. and just kind of like consider what she's able to accomplish with. It's incredible. Like, she completely transforms in front of your eyes it's several amazing. times. It's How like many times. So like just. For the transformation pieces, so she transforms the first time with Jack, the photographer. Mm-hmm. The Desmond golden. Harrington is also fucking really good in this. Yeah, but he has nothing to but say. He has almost nothing ever. to say. Yeah. So is that oh, the sorry. Jack guy? Yeah, yeah, that's Jack. Okay. Yeah, so I'm just trying to piece this together. Like, so there's like three big transformations, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say so. Like the gold paint scene, the black swan scene, and then like the last one where she's in the the mansion, the yep. weird, and then she's literally so like anytime she's transforming, it's because she's replicating or reflecting the image of the thing that the person who's like transforming her wants to see mm-hmm. and in the last one it's she's, she's being trans- transformed she's transforming into... herself in the last time because she's actually putting but the, the clothes are herself. still laid out for her oh yeah the she has the um 
the, the wrap, white dress, the white dress, and well, the, the black gown first, and yeah. then the red shawl thing. Interesting. And then the white gown again, which is like I think her primary color is white right. throughout mm-hmm. the. So she returns more to herself, but then also like, um, is it Abby? No, Ruby, Ruby. leaves it out for her, and yeah. then like they all eat her after that. Like each of the people who are transforming her change her into something that they want. Ruby transforms her into. Like the virginal sacrifice, dessert, yeah. Yeah. dessert, dessert. Yeah. Sure, she does look like a confection. Yeah, hmm. it's so wild. And then we have, I mean, the mirrors. Um, we we have her taking the the lipstick that she first put oh, on yeah. her, drawing on the mirror, yep. the face with the lipstick that she put on. I was so her conflicted about scene. Ruby too because she simultaneously comes off as like an ally and someone yeah, to be trusted. Yeah, she really does. And mm-hmm. then also like this horrible sadistic monster monster who's like orchestrating this whole thing to like eat But this woman. had it been had the answer been sex, she wouldn't have been eaten cuz you're either one or the other. Are you yeah. sex or are you food? So she could have had mm-hmm. sex she said with no Ruby. to sex. Yeah, and so, so she became food. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Do you think the other two women had sex with Ruby? Oh, I think so. I think so. I think Ruby, because she isn't a model. She's the makeup artist. She's the one that makes them more beautiful. So I feel like she's sort of... She makes her what she is in each of those situations. Yeah, in each of those situations. Right, right. So I think that she's she lives outside of it. I think they they became close through whatever their their affiliation is, through eating the other younger models where, Mm -hmm. like, they... It's all about having the job and, and staying in the business as long as you can. Right. And I think Ruby being the makeup artist who makes them more beautiful. If you're not sexed in your food, then she you get fed to sex the, first. Yeah. And then did you, did anyone else think that maybe, cause we, we did like, this is not the first Sometimes time Sometimes sex can be food. Sometimes you can bring some food to some sex, but no, maybe that's what I, sex can be food. No, you starve no, to death. If you just you try do, and fuck. Yeah. actually faster than normal because of all the calories you're burning. If you're doing mm-hmm. it right. I it's think. like eating only lean protein. Exactly. Can't do it. You can't metabolize it. Can't live it. on just rabbit. Nope. That doesn't work. I learned that on, on Bear Grylls, I think. <laughs> well, uh, that and you should always drink your urine. Like, drink your pee. Drink your pee. Don't eat just rabbit or and you'll die. human blood will make you poop out your butt. Blood. blood. Bloody poops. Bought a lot of blood comes out Shut, of Because you can't. Guess what? Humans can't digest blood. Is that what you think? So, well, like, hold uh, on. Up to a pint. pint. You can pint. swallow a pint of blood, yeah. yeah we learned that from blood. Fight Club. Fight Club. But oh, I think that she drank most of it because it all comes purging out of her in the moonlight. I was, but what, what part of her is it purging out of? Wait, before we get too far, I, I had a question for you. Do you think that the makeup... That's what I thought. I, I thought it was like a no. blood enema or I something. I think that is a supernatural moment we're seeing. I think that is the there first so of the... Blood. Well, yeah, because you can't cough out a full eyeball. I think she's the first of the three to die, and that's her death scene. She's trying to be like in the moonlight, and she's going through this rapture thing. Well, I, that's the fucked up thing is we don't know. We don't know right. what happens to Ruby. But really quick about Ruby. Do you think that her job as a makeup artist... She finds like a prospective young model that could they could feast on and become more beautiful. Mm-hmm. So she ingratiates herself into this model's life and makes her more beautiful. Kind That's of why it's like, important that she's wiping the blood off of her. In it's the like first scene. I know the very it's like scene, yeah. fattening up the calf before you slaughter it. It's like how much beauty can I can or I or grooming or grooming or sex. grooming? Yes, exactly. Yeah, she does want her for one or the other. One or the other, and she will have it. You choose. Right. Yep. Right. Um, so wh- where were we at? Because I stepped away from the microphone for a moment. Were we just, we, you're pretty much caught up. All right. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, 
Ruby's, I loved Ruby's tattoos. Yeah. Because you don't really see them until... I didn't realize she was naked or half naked and walking in the pool until she started water, watering the, the blood and the plants. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love the change in the spray, too. And there's a couple of moments in here where Nick, where Refn doesn't show you what, what is happening, but mm-hmm. he shows you like what's happening next to what's happening and makes you infer, and you're like... When she's she's like watering the plants and she turns to like look down in the pool and she's like spraying this like gentle fountain on it for a second and then like after a moment she's like, no, we need a little more pressure. <laughs> and she turns it down to like yeah. the laser spray, you know, yep. that could like take skin off you. And then she's looking down like, whew, even that's not doing it. And you're like, what in the fuck is down in that pool, man? Um, I thought that was great. Let's bird. What do they call it? Dead girls and dead girls in refrigerators or beautiful dead girls or. Oh, we talked about this. Ooh, we have a couple. Um, yeah. There's a there's a term yeah, for it. Yeah, it's like sexy dead girl or something like that. It was initially a criticism of the comic book industry, and then it kind of tangent from there, like spread to other forms of media. Which is there's this the propensity in comic books specifically to always make every female figure, no matter the circumstance, as sexy and titillating and as, as, as attractive to look at as possible. So one of the things that started happening in comics was as comics matured and you were able to show death and stuff, there'd be like dead women stuffed into a refrigerator, but the way they were stuffed into the refrigerator, like their chest was out and their like butt was forward. And they looked, even though they were a murdered girl frozen, they were also attractive. Right. Or like a, like a suicide in a bathtub. How many movies have you seen where like a woman has like slit her wrists and she's dead in the bath? But, it's but so like, beautiful. but she's beautifully yeah, like laid, and her her chest is forward, and like her nipples are like just above the bloody black water, and you see like the curve of a thigh above the blood, and you're like, and her mouth is slightly parted, ever so oh. slightly parted. She's like, she if, okay, make the water clear, and she's just waiting for her fiance to get home or whatever. Right. She's like just about to bang, but then you fill a tub with blood, and you're like, well, yeah, we could, but we could still make her fun to look at. You don't want to make people sad with a suicide. Right. So this movie to me was like. Was the first thing they show you? It's a perfect criticism of that thing yeah. to me. It, I was okay, Carl. I was the talking bathtub. To, yes. That, yeah. This movie to me pulls off the straw dogs trick or the funny games trick a little bit, where it shows you something and then you respond to it, and then the filmmaker knows his audience well enough to then like kind of rubs slap, your face in it, slaps your wrist a little, yeah. and puts your nose in it. Where specifically that Elizabeth Bathory shower scene at the end, and. Dude, yeah, I know. I think this is pretty fucking good, man. Like, we see they've murdered Elle Fanning. It's horrible. Yep. The way she dies fucks you up. It's really gross, and you're like, oh god, people really, die. especially when she's like wiggling her toes. Yeah, and you're like, oh, oh that oh. fucked me up, dude. Oh, the, when the like the toes. She's like, I can still move my toes. Yeah, and you're I'm like, fine. What are you talking about in the in the pool? Yeah. yeah. Well, oh, so we've just seen her die. And then we kind of like, as these blurry figures come in to finish oh, yeah. the job, the job, the like the tripartite witch coven comes in and they're ready to, and then we bang, smash cut to Ruby's face and she's in a tub of gore. And it's not that like, just the water is bloody, but the tub is like oh, it's immaculate. So, it's so gross. It's smeared. It's There's handprints. Yeah, it's like someone shit blood all over the place. Fuck yeah, it's dude. Disgusting. It's on the walls. On the wall, There's like face. There's like chunks yeah, of it. Yeah, I think on it's, it's, it's more like saw. Yes. Less hostile too. Yes, dude. It is so saw. It's like this. They, this is someone waking up in a trap, and it's like there's it's they're inside like rotten. 
yep. pig parts. That's you know, disgusting. And her face is caked with, and it's not this. Is, the, the stuff on her face is not movie blood. Mm-hmm. It's like this congealed stuff with skin still in it, and it's, it's got black, like oatmeal in it. Yeah, yeah. coffee grounds. You know, it's, it really oh. is. It's disgusting. And then she opens her eyes slowly in like this, this like like in a it's on the set of Soft almost. Seven, yeah, you know. Like, yeah. And she rolls her eyes over to the to the shower and in the shower the two other models who are both just let's be they're like amazingly beautiful you know they're models Mm -hmm. they're together in the shower washing jesse's blood off of themselves and each other totally nude and we do this like slow pan up and it's very sexual it's so and and i'm sure i don't know if you're the same or bird if you're the same but when you watch the shower you're like that's pretty great it's fucking hot, mm-hmm. man. This is like some vampire shower sex going on mm-hmm. here, man. All right. Oh, my God. Dude, that's her butt. Oh, my God. We're seeing boobs. And then they bang, cut back to Ruby's face. Yep. And you're like, oh, fuck. Oh, my God. Oh, they just murdered that girl. Oh, shit. There's skin in her hair. Oh, fuck. Back to the shower. And you're like, all right, that's, easy. that's a little easier to watch. <clears throat> that's a little easier to look at. Yeah. And then by the end of the scene, when you're done, it's it's almost like reference showing you like, Look, if I shoot it like it's a photo shoot, if I show you like when you wash movie blood off your body and when you're like too oh, kind of slow, yeah. Yeah. oh, Make it all sexy and pretty, and exactly. It's like you've got a boner, don't oh, you? Oh, you've got some, you got some blood on your nipples. Let me just lick that off for you. You know, it's like yeah. it's literally that where you're like you're watching it, and then he he's like, and then then they show you the the aftermath. Of, of like a claymore going off. Fuck yeah, dude. He's like, he's like, this is the fantasy. This is the movie. Look at look at the fantasy we're watching. This is what it really looks like. This is what we're talking about. When you are looking at that and and getting a hard on, this is what this is actually what happened. That's the reality. Here's the I fantasy. Get weird boners, man. <laughs> isolate the isolate, isolate the clip. That one. <laughs> isolate the clip. Top of the show. I get fantasy. weird boners, man. I get, get weird, weird boners, boners, man. man. <laughs> Actually, I might. 106. <laughs> but no, I, I thought that was pretty cool. Like, I think that is kind of an indictment of the viewer because he's showing you, he's like, look how swept up you were by beauty. Yeah. I, I showed you something that looked really cool. It's a music video, man. He's like, I showed you the coolest. Look how sexy these women are. And you go, you go there. You get mm-hmm. into it a little. And then he pops you back over and he's like, you're pretty fucked up. Because yeah. look at that shit. Funny games does, man. Yeah, he funny games does 100%. This movie has so much of of that in it. It has so much. Uh, we mentioned well, some Mulholland Drive. It gets a little lynchy. Yeah. It gets a little um, uncomfortable. <laughs> it, I don't know. It, it's. God, you, it just. You don't, I, want, I, want to love this, I want to love this movie because it is drawing from, from so many different things that I love right that that I'm normally like a thousand percent behind but I don't know man I, I know I know I'm with you like straw dogs even it's like oh you wanna you wanna look at this beautiful naked woman excellent bang now you're doing horrible things to her and you're you have to sit with this now yeah peck and paw this is what you wanted peck and paw equates you with a rapist yeah and you you're like and you're you're fucking caught red-handed it's brilliant filmmaking straw dogs we're talking about here yeah and in a way i think and it's the the beauty of that particular move the way that you indict the 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 audience indict the viewer by yeah yeah like you you make them look at something that is just inherently fucked up but you present it in such a way that it becomes very attractive right. and you're like right on and then 
And then the, <laughs> the yeah. next edit is like, isn't that the very first of scene of the movie too? Though, like she's modeling and she's laying on the couch and there's yep. blood streaming down from her throat. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's oh, you wanted to see her dead and beautiful and yeah. bloody and right. The, Death and blood and gore is beautiful. I think it's interesting that the first like, like this oh. is beauty. Let me show you mm-hmm. art. And the first thing we see is a dead woman. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like all the ugliness comes from the living when you just what a dead a dead body is actually you've you've removed all animation anything that might mar or sully the actual like physical beauty has gone Mm -hmm. and now you're just left with the beauty that's all well i mean she's actually alive but metaphorically we see like when you just remove life this is troubling material the necrophilia scene too it is like here's a dead body that and that's a dead body that's some you know like i mean dead but not dead like beautiful, and you pointed out. No, you pointed out that the makeup is kind of like Jesse's. Ma- was it you? Somebody said last she night. She looks just like Jesse. She looked a lot yeah. like Jesse. I think she. And you, I was like, is that no? Okay, because her hair is the same, and her face mm-hmm. is kind of like the structure is the it's same. It's like she did her up to be Jesse. Well, and then she's fantasizing about Jesse at the same time. Yes, Ugh. right. I guess there's an uncut version. Just you can only find it like on Apple somewhere, um, which is even more explicit than that scene, the necrophilia scene. They really? show like like labia all of it like up close they said with medical precision that's what i read so oh where where do we find this yeah <laughs> <laughs> just for uh, can, we we do all we watch every version of every film it's for the show alicia it's it's research <laughs> mm, yeah, sure. hey, what was what were my parting words last night on my way out the door so, uh I think it was something to do again with like weird boners what? but specifically and with regards to the <laughs> <Yeah>. necrophilia scene <laughs> I'm still not sure how I feel oh. about necrophilia. <laughs> also, improv. No yeah. Shit. The necrophilia. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's yeah. what you said, right? You know, it's it, it's the same thing that we ran into a little bit with. Now, look, I'm, I'm going to, I'll say right now, I think that Last Tango in Paris is a masterpiece. And this yeah. is a very conflicting piece of art where I'm not sure where I land on it. But just like with Last Tango in Paris, most of the very, very best moments of that movie come from on the day, off the cuff, yeah, improv. Like fucking um, uh, uh, Marlon Brando's monologue to the dead wife. Mm. Improv. Fucking blow your mind. You know, like... Um, Not clip your fingernails? Django Unchained. Clip your fingernails. That was, was improv, part, wasn't it? Yeah, I I, improv. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure yeah. part of that was... The, I think the, like, the detail of clip your fingernails was one. And then the other one is the bring the butter. That was improv. And you're like, I mean, a lot of that other movie was because you have a cast of two and they are primarily your subjects. You can have those two people sit down and really work, work with each it, other. Yeah. Like, how, what are we doing next? Okay, where do we want to go? Built, from you here? built well. There were issues on set, but the two, the actors, not between that, the though, actors. Yeah, they, they 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 were able to form a bond and a relationship and like trust and, and right. All of that. The actress had a lot of issues in that particular film with the filmmaker, but yeah. she said that she like the trust that built between her and Marlon Brando was like inviolate. They were just absolutely trusted they each other one hundred percent. They were sort of in it together. For sure, yeah. when you watch that movie, you're like, you can't do that with a stranger. That you have to form like a yeah. deep and in, unbreakable bond. There might with that be a person. little bit of the Helsinki, not Helsinki syndrome. Uh, uh, what's the one? Because that's they, what they, they say in Die Hard. He calls it the Helsinki syndrome. Like Stockholm? Stockholm Stockholm syndrome. Helsinki. I, well, no, I always call the Hel- because in Die Hard, the fucking newscaster misquotes it. It says the Helsinki syndrome, as in Helsinki, Sweden, or whatever. But like, isn't Hel- I think Helsinki syndrome's just uh, enjoying dark beer and cross country skiing. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, um, 
okay there is there was there were aspects of the dialogue that are like now i've now that we've hit some broad stroke stuff i have some notes in specific that are kind of chronological cool so one of the things i thought was really there is there are moments in this dialogue where i think that there maybe a tenth of the dialogue is passable and that like half of that is actually really good one of the things i really liked was the the bathroom scene between the like the coven and jesse the specific thing i like is the girl who got all the plastic surgery done she's like bionic woman a bionic woman she's like oh your hair is so pretty oh my god you have such beautiful skin oh your nose is that really your nose and uh she's like yeah have you had work done you say that like it's a bad thing you know like this stuff is all okay because this is how this is models talking model shop Mm -hmm. you know and she's like oh i've had my and then you get this like litany of horrifying medical procedures. I've had my jaw shaved. I've yeah. had my nose redone. I had my lips tucked. Internal and external liposuction. You're like, internal and external lipo. What the fuck does that even mean? Are they taking like fat off your organs? Like, are you trying to get that thin? Holy shit! And then she goes, "Yeah, my doctor's in so blah." He calls me the bionic woman, and Jesse says really quietly, "Is that a compliment?" The yeah. next words out of the that first the bionic woman's mouth are. I heard that your parents are both dead. That must be so hard for you. The turn. The, one of my favorite things about this movie. Sorry, I just, I just, yeah. I, I hosed you down a little there. It's all good, man. Just pay back for, uh, for the, for the little, yeah. the hair spit earlier. Um, I love how quickly they turn and cut each other and how catty everything is. That felt right to me. Yeah. The like. Yeah. Did did it, okay? So Carl and I have no lived experience as <laughs> as like sixteen year old girls. Did any of what did you guys feel about like specifically the dynamics, the backstabbing, the cattiness? Did any of this ring true to you? I know neither of you worked in high fashion, you know. Well, and now there was that one year <laughs> back when you were air quotes nineteen years old. <laughs> You're always nineteen. Exactly. Always nineteen. Yeah. Um. But I, I don't know. Like for for me watching that and. I, Maybe this is just like maybe I'm watching and going like ah as a man this is what I assume models talk to each other like or how girls interact but I think do do you ever what do you think Bird what was your take on the teenage girls are awful did it feel did it feel right to you that yeah like that little sting uh, is that a good thing and then immediately coming back with your parents are dead like your parents she just like dug for the most horrible shitty thing she could say to uh, to hurt. Jesse. Jesse, thank you. I was going to say yeah, Jesse. Like, so later. Like, Jesus. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, right. Like, heard you're dying. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but I, I love their, they all have this, maybe that's what makes them all great models, too, is they have, so, they have like a, mm-hmm. well, not not just Caddy, but they have that, like, a more cynical version of L or of Jesse's ability to, what do you want me to be? Got it. And she can bang, hit, what, what do you, how do I play into your fantasy? Whereas these girls are kind of jaded and a little further on. So now that, that ability to read people has transmuted into finding their soft spot and hurting them with it. She, uh, Jesse's kind of interested in how can I work forward? How can I climb higher? How can I, who can I, how can I advance my career? She's trying to like push herself upward in the world. She still does it though. Yeah. She does the caddy thing. Yeah, definitely. But these other, all the other models that we see, especially the ones who are supposed to be like older or air quotes near their expiration date, their focus seems to be more like, how can I cut down mm-hmm. other people who are higher than me? How can I drag yeah, them down? That's a very like girl competition evil. kind of thing. Like, uh, I need to cut down others. Yeah. 
Well, that's Ugh. that's a that's a human nature kind of thing. But sure. I think, yeah, I thought the dynamic there was really cool though. Like young model shows up and she's trying to climb, right? And all the other models crabs are just trying bucket. not to. Dr- yes, crabs crabs in a bucket. Fuck yeah, Carl. Great metaphor, dude. Um, that was loud. Sorry about that. That's listener. all right. <laughs> Heard that. Um, <laughs> all right, so. Let's move from there. So this is Jesse at the party early on. I like that. I like some of that dialogue. I like some of that internal dynamic. I was on board for the first 20 minutes, actually, because I was thinking what she was saying about the dialogue. Right. I'm like, oh, I see what he's doing. But maybe it's great. I, will, I could allow for sure that, that maybe it's it's like a trick that should have phased out yeah. halfway through and then start giving us good dialogue. Or it's a, it, it, it does kind of wear its welcome thin by the end, even if you like me are trying to like do the mental gymnastics to force yourself to like it but let's take a moment and talk about a particular the one scene in here that when i the strobe scene the strobe bondage scene and then the day after when jesse goes in to see christina Hendricks and try and get the modeling contract holy shit you know like you said earlier like everything looks more cool when you when it's in strobe it does though. It does though, man. Because <laughs> especially tell- if it's red strobe going into a white strobe. Fading in, dude. We should have looked up who did the I lighting. I wanted to but... hate it because I'm like, oh, strobe lights. It's always everything always looks better I in feel strobe. Like the, the colors are super symbolic throughout the movie too. Yeah, they are. And I don't have like a thesis statement for the colors yet. I'm still trying to piece that together. You only watched week. it last night. Don't don't kill yourself over it. Right. Yeah. You good. Um, you pointed out um that Jesse wears white throughout the whole movie Basically, until yeah. until she becomes. Uh, Ruby's fantasy, and then she's in red. Mm-hmm. Well, she has the black like nightgown thing on, and then was like, it the black? red. It was, yeah, it was yeah, like, like maybe. Yeah. yeah, or yeah, it was darker. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe it was like a dark. It was just blue, a everything coat. in the beginning is like like you were saying earlier. It was she's like you're flasher. watching 3D. It's like the blue and the red. Everything is blue and red in the beginning. Right. Um. And like even at the very end, when the two actual models are like in front of the pool, it's blue and red. And I just I don't know. I keep seeing like consistencies in the color palettes like that and i just don't know mm. what it all means some of this but... i i don't know how like i know you dig movies and whatnot but some of this is also like a hollywood trope it's famously the the color palette is what, did, what is it blue and Cold blues and like green blue and orange and orange, orange yeah. and well the turquoise. director nicholas yeah nick, if i'm going to be nick nick, nick. yeah what we have this nick he's apparently colorblind ref. he can only see um primary colors he's colorblind he's colorblind yeah. can only see primary colors and so he likes contrasting colors Interesting. That kind of helps explain how fucking striking his visuals are. Because mm-hmm. I will say this. Whatever else you think about Nicholas Winning Refn, and he is definitely a divisive filmmaker. Sure. Like, just his his most famous film, Drive, is like half of people who see that hate it hate so much that they will it, never yeah. watch anything he did ever again. And I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. The, <laughs> the other half of people see it and they're like... You know, like, and, but whatever else you say about, about Refn, he really does know how to show you some shit. Yeah. He could be, he could be one of the great silent filmmakers for sure. Because look, I love the writing in Bronson. I like the writing in Only God Forgives. The writing in Drive is good because of how, specifically like what that movie is. I don't know what to think about Valhalla Rising. Bringing his triple A game in that Triple A game. Yeah. In both Only God Forgives and Drive for sure. But but you know, like yes, some directors also like sometimes you swing and a miss, you know. But if this is the direction that he's pushing his shit, if he's gonna try and like do continue to do stuff like Neon Demon, 
I'm coming early on. I was like, well, Carl, you're just not. But now I'm with you. Now I'm thinking maybe he'd do a silent film. Why the fuck not? Yeah. What's your strength? You can show me things that no other director has ever even come close to showing me. Yeah. He creates, he, he paints with light, man. I have a note early on in here. Um, so much of these sets, the way that this, the shots are framed, the way that the sets are constructed, and the way that they're lit, they're lit and built to create these amazing, suffocating vertical spaces. I'm sure you guys noticed how many seen like a photographer white box looks so striking before, yeah. and it's literally just a fucking white box. Let Let's do this. The the white box. We're about to be at the white box, but I'm specifically so thinking of so many doorways or hallways. Like we got that <laughs> yeah. over as like okay, yeah. we got it. Yeah. You remember the okay? So before we go to the, like the the bondage party type thing, when they're walking down the hall from the bathroom to the room where that like cool strobing bondage scene happens, we talked about this with uh uh was it the searchers? But what you end up looking at what it's a lot of liminal space in that movie. In the searchers, yeah, yeah. In this one, lots too. Yeah. I'm loving in this one. I'm loving Reffin's use of black. Like, there's so ma- so much of this film where you're looking at. I'm got big widescreen TV, and we're all watching it together. And what you're looking at on a screen that's say like 40 inches wide, you're looking at four inches of 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 like a vertical hallway of four inches with tiny figures walking down it, and you're and you're in a sea of black, and you're like. That's bold. I'm watching I'm watching a film where you're supposed to paint with light and what he's painting with here is like the absence of light. You're he gives you like such a small image to look at and just bathes he has no fear at all of letting you look at a screen that is 95% pure black. Mm-hmm. And you're like it's it's striking. You can't help but look at it and be like holy shit. Go ahead. What is Reffin's background? I actually don't. commercials, I think. I would my guess That's a total fucking guess. My guess would be music videos. I have videos. no research behind that, but I think you're probably more accurate. The end of this But that's just the, cre- the closing credits are a music video for Sia. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> because it it feels like he wants to do the art film thing, yeah. but he just doesn't want to have it in an art gallery. He wants to have it in a theater, but right. he just can't like Well, this didn't make the hit leap. a theater. It hit Amazon. This was Amazon Primer. Okay. It did. It did get us a release. A limited release. New it York, L.A., and Chicago. Pretty like, small. Pretty yeah. small. But Ooh. it did hit theaters. Okay. Love him or hate him. Reffin to me is is Jim Jarmusch. Is you know he's Jodorowsky. He's these guy. He's one of these guys who's making art films, but he's not content to just play it in like a first run theater so for five people. Which one? Jodorowsky. Yes, right? I mean, dude, David Lynch's Dune is pretty fucking pretty. He's David Lynch, you know? He's like, he's a guy who's like, here's my vision. That's David Lynch, but here's my vision. I'll show it to you and you do what you like with it. I'm going to make you some quinoa and broccoli while I make this. David, I didn't understand your... Well, then you can go fuck yourself, okay? All right. Let's all transcendentally meditate. You know, like... So love him or hate him, Reffin's bringing bringing to the table and putting on the screen what he wants to be there. He's in a weird way. He's Quentin Tarantino too. Some of these people, Jim Jarmusch, David, less so him, more so David Lynch, and most so Quentin Tarantino, for some vibe that they've got hits right. and they make it. Reffin's like almost there, man. Yeah. You know, he's like he's like I'm sh- he's like I'm showing you my Skipping art. Skipping on the surface, yes. like. Like every once in a while, you know, the rock sinks and you're like, fuck, dude, you almost had it with that one. I think like the part of it is the length problem. Because when you watch Bronson, you're like, you're done and you're like, 
first of fuck? all. Yeah, you're like, okay, clear masterpiece, but I'm kind of exhausted. That was really long. Yes. <laughs> and the fact that so many top-tier talents work with him over and over and over again, he, I don't know, talk to me. Do you feel He feels to me like an artist's artist, where like he's the kind of director that an actor just dies to work with, like, like um, fucking um, Jim Jarmusch. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody wants to be in a Jarmusch flick, even though they don't make that much money, you know? The, because... Maybe, maybe you're gonna be involved with something that something be, incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Unique and. But so the sites are the the sets are lit, and built to create really suffocating literal frames, and I wrote down like we're seeing picture frames. So much of this movie looks like you just accidentally fell into a GQ uh, magazine. Well, uh, well you know? a lot. Of, I feel like more more than half this movie is him doing an art installation. Right, yeah. and and didn't work for you. Which no. is fine, which is cool. Hey, I love that the installation pieces are beautiful. Some of them are, like I said, they're just burned into my brain, and, and I love that they're there. And that, But it's just, it feels so disjointed. What, where they're, why are they existing here in sure. this piece of shit? Like, sure. So it's unfortunate. I wanted more cohesion, too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm even okay with a little less. I mean, I don't need cohesive. You know, I'm a Gilliam fan. Yeah, I don't need <laughs> that's true, dude. Fear and Loathing <laughs> is kind of an unhinged fucking. But like, it's just some, some something. I don't know. It's just, and again, it's one of the reasons why I hated Bling Ring, is I just don't care for this world at yes. all. Yes, I'm with you on that. You said Bling Ring last night, and you were like, "Why is this reminding me of Bling Ring?" And I immediately knew why, and I think you did too. Which yeah, is like, I did. this is a world filled with vapid, narcissistic, self-centered people, and we're forced to watch. And that that alone, that that group of people, they're kind of rep, you know, like they're they're. It's an ugly place right. to sit, which is ironic because it's a beautiful place. And to I'm not going to judge because I don't know that world, but at the same time, the way it's being shown to me, sure. I don't, I don't like, I don't like sitting in that world for any length of time. We, I mean, I don't know if you've seen it, but we three all agree. Bird, Bird, Carl, Max, Alicia, have you seen the Bling Ring? Mm-hmm. Sofia Coppola. No. This movie is clearly better than that one. I would say so. Like hand. Oh, I haven't <laughs> seen the Bling Ring. Well, you see, I listen, you never bought, this movie bother. has pretty things to look at. I don't mean like the the actors necessarily, but there are beautiful the set. shots, the sets, the way it's. It has a wonderful score. Yeah, yeah. There is nothing good about the Bling Ring. <laughs> Sophia Coppola's just like all of a sudden she was she was drinking her morning coffee somewhere and she's like, "Oh, I'm sad." All of a sudden, I don't God, know damn. why. We got to watch your new one, dude. It just came I out. I know. I'm I'm excited. I know. I'm there for it too. I'm so excited. I am a huge fucking fan of Sophia Coppola because of how crazy she makes me. Yes, dude. The converse, just the conversations that came out of that mess of. That mixed bag of like brilliance. Couple shit. of months, yeah. yeah it's Couple like, of months is one of my favorite months. Because as a filmmaker, yeah, she is this movie. Yeah, like, yeah. So many great things to like, but it's in this dog shit like package. Package like, <laughs> yes. Don't know how to like. <laughs> I don't know how to reconcile the two. Like it's just. Oh. She's just gonna slap you guys if you're ever in the same room together. I... If I'm ever in the same room with Sofia Coppola, I'm her biggest fan and love all of her work. Dude. Just so we're clear. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll cover for you. I'm look. I'll be upfront. I if ever I would love so much to sit down. I'd be and... so starstruck. And like... I would love to interview her because because I want to. I want to get inside that understand. process. Yeah, yeah because absolutely. I'm like, look, I love Virgin. And she Suicide. doesn't have to explain it to us. Absolutely not. She doesn't. Carl, yeah, I don't think Sofia Coppola needs to come and sit around my kitchen table with, you know, a, a microphone on, on a board, board game, game, you know, talking about <laughs> movie. 
just need to clear the air with you boys why I made the artistic choices that I made I heard in po- the six Academy yeah, Award yeah, yeah. movies that I've made. So, Carl, I hear you didn't like Lost in Translation, for which I won an Oscar. Um, right. I just wanted to kind <laughs> of clarify my vision, you know? Sure Max, you made some really good points, faces. but Carl, I think you missed the boat here. No, like, but dude, if you, come on, you would love oh to interview God, Sophia Coppola, right? Yes. Fuck yeah. Yes. Sorry, Alicia, this happens sometimes. Um... <laughs> All the time. One of the things I really love about specifically the way that these shots are framed is, okay, the morning after that strobing bondage light show, and which is itself, you're, it, I'm with you. You you almost want to be kind of like cynically like, oh, it's a strobe light. Yeah. But God, anytime it, I see strobes happening, my first reaction is like, oh, strobe light. Oh, collateral, but, John Wick. Yeah, but yeah. But then like. Eight seconds into, I'm like, that looks really fucking cool, dude. When no. the, okay, man, when that when you're you're like, you know, it's like the person standing in bondage and like the strobe start, and you're like, all right, fine. And they cut to some faces, and then, but when they cut back to the bondage person and they're like levitating, you're like, holy shit, yep. does that look fucking awesome? Like spinning slowly in space, and there's like weird lens flares happening, and like the lights are like red and then white, and they're like slowly like yeah. judder, and you're like. It's like a flip book, but I'm on acid. This is yep. fucking wild. The next day, I love that it's like that pounding music. You know, there's no dialogue and strobe, 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 strobe. Jesse wakes up, silence. Mm-hmm. So much, that. so much of this movie hinges on, on the editing and the sound design. And one of the best parts about that moment is the morning after this, like. It takes you to almost like a like a like a ritual space where you feel yourself swaying and you're 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 about to crack and then the next morning you've been so fucking high that when you wake up into the real world it's like the volume on the world has been turned essentially to zero and you wake yeah. up with something akin to like a ringing in the ears. I was thinking of that as like the party was so loud. Yeah. That maybe she was just kind of deaf. Yeah. Like like literally physically like she wakes up and can't hear because someone had the, like the the woofers there turned up too many <laughs> boots and cats in that party. <laughs> she wakes up the next day and it's like she's looking at Christina Hendricks and Christina Hendricks is like what do you mean she's like oh shit I have to sign this do I have to sign this document you know it's like. Um, the other thing I thought was really cool about the way a lot of the shots are framed. Did anyone else notice that a lot of this movie bisects the the girls? When Jesse wakes up in her apartment, she like walks behind that mm. cool like bookshelf thing that's like open into the next room. And I wrote down what you get is um, in Jesse's apartment, the way that the shots are physically structured, she moves through a, a briefly through an open space and then steps into a picture frame. It's literally like a portrait picture frame. And then she goes behind the wall and it bisects her into parts and pieces. We get in one shot only her torso. Yeah. And then she sits down and we see like just the curve of like a collarbone and a shoulder. It's her legs on the bed. Mm-hmm. Her legs on the bed. Or like there, there's a couple of moments where very almost lasciviously like a girl will be sta- – there's a – the moment that I'm thinking of in particular is she like turns and stands and the way that the the bookshelf or whatever that that bisecting unit is has removed her head and left us only her bust and you're like you're that's all you're left to look at and you realize that that that's exactly 100% what they do in like high fashion photo spreads and yeah. things like that so it's look exactly at the look at the what boobs. Look at the we face. do to look women at the shoulder look at the yeah it's a deconstruction of a 
And in photo sets, you see a picture of a face, you see a picture of a leg, and you're like, Maybe. Oh, these are static images or whatever, you know, you're, you're see. But kind I mean, of grossly, it's also hinting at like later she's going to be cut up and eaten. <laughs> or metaphorically, the viewer is just like eating pieces and parts of this person just as the, the crazy. We are consuming, consuming the her. media. Yeah. She's either food or sex. See? Sometimes sex is food. I don't know, dude. Like, see, we like, all you gotta do is be like, and it cuts her into pieces, and then bang, 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 bang. You come up with like the artist statement for the moment. I, right. That's the fucked thing about Refin, man. Because I'm with you on, even on Drive. Sometimes I'm watching Drive, and I'm like, you know, it, for yeah, viewers like, who can't oh. see, I'm, I'm masturbating the air right now, and come. You know, like. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you're you're watching it. You're, Carl. You know how you get blood off like one wet wipe at a time for an entire pack of wet wipes. Not even the big ones. They're the the, the little shit they give you at like Buffalo Wild Wings. Right, you yeah, like, yeah. The unfolded. single packet that you have to unfold. <laughs> it's kind of it's already dry. Right by the time barely any. By the time you get it picked apart, half of it's ripped it's evaporated. Off, and then, <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of those like like mirror image scenes though throughout the movie too. Like in the beginning, she is cleaning the blood off of. Um, Jesse, right? Ruby's cleaning the blood mm-hmm. off of them. Like, in right. the end, she's actually bathing in her actual blood. Such there's a great kind of, reversal. Like, yeah, there's, it seems like, I'm wondering if there's more of those throughout the movie. A little bookending there. A yeah. bit, a bit. Um, oh, like little, little like mirror moments almost. Yeah. I know you said you would never watch this again, but I'm kind of now in the camp where I'm like, maybe I'll spin this one more time. And Can we just with- turn the volume off and then just play the soundtrack? <laughs> <laughs> A lot of my notes are simply a description of something so breathtakingly beautiful that he showed me. You know, it's almost like, what are you looking at? They probably should just, you know, like, watch the movie. They could, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than hear your description of it. You know how you were saying, like, that? there's a lot of capital H, capital A, high art Mm -hmm. bullshit, as you described Mm -hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Watching Jesse walk back and forth in front of the LA cityscape, there's the moon in the sky, but the light pollution is such that there are no stars in the sky, but the cityscape itself looks as though all the stars have fallen to earth, but Jesse is so radiant and so beautiful that you you don't look at anything but her. You know, and later you sh- when she's dying in the pool, there's no moon, but it's just the stars in it's the just, sky. Exactly. There, that's another one of those little like moments of resonance. Bird said something cool, because Jesse has a speech where she says, like, when I was a little girl, there was a moon. I looked up at the moon sometimes, and I thought the moon was the eye in the sky like i'm telling I you i fell asleep on my roof yeah. and didn't fall off it. and die yeah like listeners some it's not that awesome but she does say like i thought the moon was an eye in the sky and i looked up and i just i was wondering like are you looking at me do you see me do you see me when i watched the first time i saw that and i said this to alicia afterwards but bird has a, a really cool take on this as well my take is like she wishes that like uh, this eye in the sky the eye you know like Fuck all of the human eyes. Mm. Like, I'm more beautiful than that. I want the the eye in the sky. I want God to look down and be so captivated by how beautiful I am that he looks at nothing else. You know, like, it's this, like, absolute narcissism yeah. where you're like, even the gods in the heavens cannot help but look, at, look upon my beauty. I just want to be myself is what she says, right? Like, the other women want to be beautiful and changed and operated on she just wants to be herself i love how that idea shifts throughout the movie too because mm-hmm. when she says it at like <laughs> to dean right it's, i just i just want to be myself it it's, across, it, it's innocent and and like i just want to be me but then it's like she, i am bullshit, perfect though, and you too. are not yeah it is well but that's what dean needs to hear yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. she's reflecting what what's he in, wants to hear what's interesting is she says the same shit over and over to different people 
And the way she says it feeds into how that mm-hmm. person would perceive the statement. To Dean, she says, I just want to be myself. And he says later, it's what's inside that counts. And that's that kind of vibes, right? And she but, says to the other model, what it, like she says, when who she's actually on, thinks they're beautiful? And she's like, I well, do. She, she says, nobody, uh, nobody likes how they look. Yeah, that's right. right. I do. I do. And then later, like the final, like the third iteration of that is when she's on the diving board. And she's like looking down at Ruby and she says... All of these other girls, you know, she's like, I don't want to be like all of these other girls. All the other girls want to be me. me. That is, I want to be myself. Because, but the narcissism is on, like, bold, almost shocking display where she's, she's acknowledging, she's like, I am more beautiful than any of you. And I know it. And I bask in it. She she become, by the end, she's like this almost like wicked, borderline evil, like Mm -hmm. reprehensible character. And when you see where she starts from. The arc is kind of cool, you know? Yeah. Like, another time I noticed this was... No, wait. Before I go on, bird, eye in the sky. Eye in the sky. So, eye in the sky could be, like, E-Y-E-I, or it could be the letter I like in literally. the sky. Like, I am a god, and you are all beneath me. And it's reverse It's reverse narcissus, because narcissus stares into, at his reflection in a pool, Right, and then like a pool, or uh, not a pool, a river. He's like looking into like this slow stream, and he stares at himself until he dies, and then grows into a tree. Mm-hmm. Mythology is pretty wild. Yes, it is. Wow. But but this is like reverse narcissist. The, she's looking also at a reflection, but the reflection that she's staring at, the mirror that she's looking at, is the moon, which means that the reflection that she's staring at is the sun. She mm-hmm. is the light, and and holy shit i just realized abby lee equates her with the sun mm-hmm. in the bathroom she's oh, like in the shit. dead of winter in the dead of winter you she walk into the room and you God. are the sun so maybe the dialogue does matter god damn it some of the writing is not bad like that's it's there there's well, shit are you, here are either food or sex it's in, that's there there's yep. you, you gotta polish <laughs> the turd a little do bit do you see why they Nicholas also say Murray. red rum so oh. yeah my God. I I think all of us went. I, I think it was like a collective like mm. <sighs> at the red rum line. You're like, all right, and that's like five minutes. Okay. There's a lot of heavy sighing in the beginning. All right, Nick, you're gonna fucking do that to me, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm eating another gummy if that's the level of shit that I'm gonna have to sit here with. Um, her saying the same thing in different ways to different people. When she's talking to Dean early in the movie, it's the same scene where she talks about the eye in the sky, right? She goes, she looks at Dean and she says. I don't have any talents. I don't have any skills. I can't write. I can't dance. I can't. I, I don't know how to play checkers very well. Like my my reading level's pretty low. And, <laughs> Didn't you know, finish high school. I never learned how to upholster anything. And Dean's like, yeah, yeah, I get you. What, what else can't you do? And she's like, but I'm pretty, and I can make I can make money on pretty. And she like reduces it to like this sort of like economic thing. Like I'm just yeah, this, like a transactional. Yeah. I'm just yeah. this young girl trying to make my way in the world, and I'm gonna try and get by on my looks. And I'm here, in, and that because that's what Dean wants. Because Dean is a person who believes that's what's inside that counts, right? But then, when she's in the fucking bathroom and Abby Lee is slaying, crouched on the floor, eyes full of tears, because her expiration date just hit and she watched it happen, mm-hmm. and she's smoking. This is goes back to that mirror thing. She reflects back at people mm-hmm. what they're giving to her, and she reflects Sarah's intensity back at Sarah, because Sarah's on the ground, and she goes, you know, like, I thought you did really great, honest. And she's doing that innocent girl thing. But that's not what Sarah wants or needs. That's not Sarah's perception. And Sarah's pers- once we see how Sarah talks to, to Jesse, and she adjusts. Jesse adjusts immediately and reflects the same vibe back at her because what Sarah says is, "What's it like? Mm-hmm. What do you mean?" 
to walk into a room as though it were the dead of winter and you were the sun. And the fucking intensity with which she delivers that, it really it really foreshadows a phenomenal and long acting career ahead for her. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to Elle Fanning, and Elle Fanning's cha- face has changed entirely. Mm-hmm. And rather than say, I'm pretty, and I can make money on pretty, she says, it's everything. Yeah. Remember that Stephen King lexicon that we built yes, up? Yes, yes. It is the, I, like, beauty is, I am the apotheosis, the apotheosis of beauty on earth. I know any chance to chuck apotheosis out, right? <laughs> but, but fuck, man. You know, like, what's it like? It's everything. If you, if anyone took that from me, I would punish them with the intensity of a thousand tortures in hell. Like that is what we're getting. And like five minutes ago, she was like, "But I got like a nice. My nose is pretty good, and I think I could like get a buck or two from some photos." That's all gone. That's all gone. So you gotta wonder who the who's Jesse? Who the fuck is Jesse? Is Jesse whoever you want her to be? Exactly. Exactly. All right, I w- I saved these notes for when you got back. Let's talk about Keanu Reeves. Oh, can we? <laughs> yes, we can talk about. Keanu. I want to be him and not him, Keanu Reeves. Though I do, but I kind of want to have his job, smoking cigarettes, watching Captain Kangaroo. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Dealing with wild wild cats in the pumas in the Again, bedrooms. Got yourself. Like, is do you it, think that was him going into two fourteen? I do. God damn it. I do. I know. Like, okay, I'm with you on this. And okay, how much of what we like or was about it Dean? Oh, oh my god. Shit, because he knew he did know that was a room. Gotta be seen. Gotta be. What is it? Two fourteen. Gotta, gotta be seen. seen. Right, right. Because why would that scene exist? Or are we simply don't want to hate Keanu? I don't want to hate. You know what? It's Dean because I like Keanu too much. <laughs> All right. Well, I've got enough beer in me to be like, Carl, the world's a piece of shit. Yeah, and I it's know. this guy that we like and he's doing a it bad. It probably is. And it is probably. probably is. Yeah. But okay, we're watching a movie. There's there's no one in 214. No. It's probably fucking Elle Fanning doing the audio, you know? Like, it, there's there's yeah. no 13-year-old runaway from Georgia that's no. actually being murdered, like, raped and murdered next door. No. Because it's a film. Yes. That is the only thing that allows us to do this podcast, is that we're talking about, about shit films. that's not yep. real. Yeah. None of this shit <laughs> None actually of this shit is real. But, dude, okay, yes, some of his line deliveries are kind of dumpy in this, but tell me that Keanu Reeves is not, like, one of your favorite parts of this. No, absolutely. <laughs> He he the keeps you from walking. Suit. He keeps you. That was one of my. That's my favorite. It's like is he wearing a fucking tracksuit? Yes. <laughs> he is and slaying. I it. like when he chucks his lighter because it won't yeah, light. Like, oh my god! Bitch. Yeah, fuck this lighter to just whoop out into the parking lot. It just he is such a he's such a tragedy of a human, you know. Yep. And you're looking at him and you're like Keanu Reeves, like maybe the kindest, most gentle charismatic most beloved actor of his generation yeah he and tom hanks i mean you don't get... it'd be like if tom hanks was playing like a pedophile yeah exactly <laughs> you know? it's just so weird to see um and he's not he's not bad i this yeah i'm with, serviceable this performance is like thoroughly seven out of, seven out of ten for me it's, e- it's emailed in it didn't take three days to get from no, no, no. He I, and this is probably a one day shoot for sure, right? One two day. One shoot. or two days at most. I think there's one costume change Keanu in Reeves. about five minutes worth of screen time. So right. it's probably a two day shoot. Yeah, he wears for two him. different shirts, and then we get like Billy or whoever the fuck you know, like yeah. his weird like meth str- strung out on <laughs> meth like enforcer. Billy, open the door. <laughs> <I> did- <laughs> 
just trying the key, trying the key. What? Just gets pissed off. He's like, Billy, open the door. Bang, kicks it open. So the what's what's even the purpose of his character, though? He's so fleeting, right? Like, he only has a few lines. What's the purpose of his character? I was wondering if he was in cahoots with the with the trio. Maybe. Because it's something that he does that forces Jesse her out, out. The rape thing. Yes. Yeah. And also, not only that, because I was wondering, like, okay. Well, if it's even him. I'm, I'm sure it is because he has the key, right? But, he, like. Jesse has a literally prophetic dream. Yeah, he has the key. So why doesn't he just open Go the door? Go into Jesse's room. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and she she locks the deadbolt. So what? He's got the key. He yeah. can open the door. You know, and they've just replaced the lock, so it's not sticky anymore because Billy kicked the door open or whoever that guy's name is. What I'm wondering is, is that one of the actresses next door and she and Keanu Reeves are acting out this horrible event to drive Jesse away? Oh, because be think terrible. about yeah. think about this, like the night the night that that happens, she has this really intensely disturbing dream about Keanu Reeves breaking into her. You know, okay, you don't like the content, but you mm-hmm. love the like the detail that goes into it because it's really showing forethought and a lot of like microacting is happening. And one of the things I love is when Keanu Reeves breaks into the room, you know, or I'm sorry, lets himself into the room. No, two twelve. When he sorry. lets himself into two twelve. Yeah, Alicia, what Jesus. the fuck? No, <laughs> get the fuck out. <laughs> but uh, when he he comes in and you're like you're like oh he's, you know. You don't get, you have no idea that this is actually a scene at 10. You think this is like a three or a four, like, oh, he's creeping over. Is he going to like stroke her hair? Is he going to bad lieutenant her? Like, what's happening? Yeah, like, you're like, nothing good is about to happen. But what actually happens is it's that refin thing where you're like, you are ready for him to show you something. And then he shows you something that is orders of magnitude beyond what you were expecting. And it it really fucks you up. She's listening like, this could be you. That was. Well, oh, we're talking about, we're talking about the dream the still. Oh, okay. Like, because none of Sorry. this actually happens. Sorry. No, you're good. Yeah. Because we're. I think maybe are we seeing what's happening next door, but here and if anyway. So it's he, really the only dream sequence, right? I think that we're, it, we're aware. Well, of. it puts everything else into question, though. As there are have... vision sequences, though, like when she sees the like interlocking triangles, or when yeah. she sees herself like kissing the dark version of herself mm-hmm. in the mirror, and it. Tra- so yeah. there are like visions that happen, which kind which of which is a little bit Aronofsky. E. Yeah, it does have kind it's, of an Aronofsky it's a little, vibe. It's a little Aronofsky. Black Swanee. Yeah. It's kind of black. Well, even so more. Really said that, yeah. 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 More like, uh, I want to be on the television, Harry. In which, which, uh, which one? one is that? The one after Pi. Requiem for a Dream. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, dude, even Pi. <laughs> well, yeah. Pi or Black Swan or it's not. Oh, it's Link later that did Scanner Darkly. But yeah. It, but I, you know what? In a weird way, like it's like high fashion Philip K. Dick, where you never know. Like, is she awake? Yeah. Is this really happening? Yeah, it doesn't really matter. It, yeah, yeah. It's such a presentational piece. But when there's this thing that Keanu Reeves does, and I'm gonna say maybe a hand acting nod here because he puts the knife. Sorry, listener, you don't even know there's a knife yet. We see Elle Fanning sleeping on her back, and then all of a sudden, from the top of the screen, a knife, literally like a combat knife, like floats down. Like a K-bar. And it comes down, and it's like hanging right over her lips, and then it turns sideways. So imagine, listener, that if you are going to hold a knife between your teeth, you'd hold it like flat, so, flat, so that it's like in, in parallel with the line of your mouth. I know it's making like me like itchy. He traces her lips with it. He floats it like around her lips, and then he like... It makes me want to choke. It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. And he like kind of like wiggles it between her lips really slowly. The second he gets it between her teeth, he turns the handle and it opens her mouth, and that's what wakes her up. I love that detail. 
is horrible. But it's I like love hinting it. at the rape scene that like comes immediately mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. that. Ugh. And you're like, oh my god, he has a knife in her mouth. That is probably as bad as the scene is gonna get. Uh-huh. Nope. Nope. And then fucking Keanu Reeves, she opens her eyes and she's in terror, and now you're like, I can't believe I made my friend from New Hampshire watch this. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I got that. Oh shit! I'm watching an R rating with my parents. Dude, <laughs> there's there's movies like this sometimes. We yeah. well, we did it with my grandparents. With what was that oh, one? I was thinking of the Hateful Eight with with oh, my grandma. Why, oh, with my, is she getting hung? That's nice. I mean, so, it's mostly good until the last like half blowing, an hour, right? Is he blowing that black man? Yeah, that that's kind of where it started to go off the rails. For I mean, the op- one of the opening scenes of the movie is a woman being like ferociously beaten in a carriage, and my grandma's like oh, the yeah. like the kindest, like she's like this sweet old ex librarian. Wrong with you? Feminist. Also, hardcore feminist. Can yeah, I she just pick it up? She thank it out. you, Carl. Yeah. It was not even my idea. My grandma's like, I've got this movie from my nephew and from the Netflix. She still gets her Netflix in the mail. You know what? It was the date. Not so, even for those days. Not anymore, but she did. She had a disc, and she was like, I know you're moving to Maine soon, and I thought we could watch a movie. I'm like, Great. What is it? Like an old Chaplin flick? She's like, <laughs> I know you like Tarantino. And I was like, Oh, maybe it's Had like. Has she ever seen any Tarantino before this? A couple. She hates him. But she like, hates but him. she knows That's how much she loves She you. knows I like him. So she's like, I got his new one. And I immediately, like, my blood ran cold. Oh, and yeah. I'm like, No, Grandma, don't say it. And she's like, Do you want to watch the hateful? And I'm like, I feel like it's the more subdued to Tarantino, though. Like, of all the Tarantino. Hateful Eight? Yeah. Like, of all the violence in all the Tarantino movies, like, Hateful Eight is. <laughs> oh, come on, dude. Samuel L. Jackson likes skull fucking that guy. <laughs> son in the middle of a tundra that was kind of hard to sit there with grandma because it's like you know yeah. like mo- the movie at the beginning was like yeah grandma he is he can be kind of violent violence and, exactly and then there's a moment like 30 minutes in where we all just fell silent and knew that we were in for three hours you know where it's yeah. like like something heinous happens and my grandma would just no she'd go that's horrible. No, <laughs> that's no. right, Grandma. Grandma, do you want me to? We could turn this off. We, you've got the whole Chaplin collection. No, it's fine. She made it through the whole thing. Nope. No. As soon as they start hanging Daisy Domerger, she's like, "I can't watch two men hang a woman." No. I was like, "I was like, well, uh, bye. Go, moving to Maine tomorrow, Grandma. Love you." Oh my it God. wasn't good. It definitely wasn't good. And that's when the birthday card stopped. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I started getting the Bible once a year as my birthday present. Um. No, I just I really liked that. I like. Uh, what did you guys think? Do you did you get the sense that Keanu was kind of part of the? Maybe he's like the. I, no, you know, really not. Mm-mm. I thought maybe at first, but I think that he's just. So what's with L A. The... L A. Motel just runner, a just dude. a skeezy dude. So what's with the prophetic dream? Is she's it... just having a dream? But is she supernatural because she predicts what happens? That's what I was kind of wondering. I, don't know. I think she knows that he's dangerous right. and. She... That kind of plants a seed of weirdness. Or maybe she feels like even everyone around her is dangerous Mm -hmm. in that kind of rapey way. And then it just manifests into Keanu Reeves raping her in the dream. But then now the question becomes again, is she a genuinely innocent person who just like accidentally has this? No, because she, she presses her head against the, she listens. Yeah, I think I said do oh, something, you, girl. I call the you, police at least. But so she, doesn't, she doesn't. She calls, she calls the other Ruby. girl. Right. But she doesn't even do that right away. She Mm-mm, presses she her head listens. against the wall and listens, dude. That's to the whole thing. And of course, you're like, that's really bad. But yep. 
But that but like beautiful. that slow crawl out where it's just like filling your screen with. I wonder if that's another one of those becomes... mirror situations where like you know she reflects back everything that she is expected to be, and then like the very next scene she's being raped by Ruby, but like can't really go through. I don't know. That's pretty fucked up. But this is a pretty fucked up movie, and yeah. then this podcast is an ostensibly safe place to talk so about. So this is probably not one to show Didi. No. Nope. Yeah, give <laughs> This is a pass. It's a hard pass. I was thinking, like, as we got into the movie, I was yeah, like, Yeah, I'm like, oh, good thing she's in Grand Rapids right now. Yeah, because I was like, <laughs> part of me was thinking, like, oh man, it's our first, like, sit and spin, and Danielle's not here. And then as soon as we get to that scene, I'm like, thank fucking God, <laughs> yeah, Danielle's no not here. Shit. She likes the, the straight horror stuff now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like, know. Classic horror. Like, she, I got her into Halloween and Friday the 13th and all that shit. Keep so. working, brother. Keep I working. Know, I know. <laughs> Let's get some phantasms next. Oh my god! <laughs> or <Boy>. house. <laughs> my favorite. The reason my favorite car is my favorite car. My dream car is because of phantasm. Phantasm two in particular. Yeah, that car is pretty goddamn the sweet. Barracuda. God damn it! You're a dangerous girl. Walking Jesse off the set into the infinite void. <sighs> is this? Tell me, this isn't maybe the coolest thing you've ever seen. That's pretty. <laughs> it's so cool. fucking cool. Black, white, and gold. It's it's like it's one of those weird things where it's almost like you're hallucinating, but really it's just mm-hmm. a film. You have no depth perception at all. There's just an endless void of space. I don't yeah. know where anyone is. Even our introduction to the scene, which is like this slope, we see we see like a shoot in progress. Sh- well, how about no that? No one's sh- moving. It's really creepy. How about that shoot though, dude? Jack standing with one arm down, one arm on his camera, and his eye fixed to the viewfinder, and he's staring. And the model is. It it looks like a still. She barely moves. She's just. She doesn't move. No one Mm-mm, moves. Yeah. Even the people. The ads or whatever. The the. The people yeah, watching the, the monitors no and then the, the people at the desk. The people who are checking the shots as they come in. It feels like a morgue. It's yes. Mm. While I walk among the dead. Um, but it's just like this beautiful wide shot, and the only way that you know that this is not a photograph or not like a still frame that we're panning through is the lights standing that still for that long during a, a pan. That in itself is acting. Oh, yeah. I loved mm-hmm. it. I loved that. And then we get, you know, like she's in hair and makeup and she and Ruby have a cute little moment. And honestly, I could have done without that because what I really want to see next is Jack grabs L grabs Jack grabs um Jesse by the arm and walks her right off the face of the fucking earth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Into the void. How outstanding was that, man? Like, when have you ever seen a white the screen just well, maybe Doom Patrol and the Doom Patrol. We get a, a white box like that. But and the Matrix. Yeah. And the yeah. Matrix, yeah, yeah, it's the loading, Twice? the loading stage in loading the Matrix, but whatever, yeah. the loading room. But this might be my favorite example of it because this is not just a cool shot we're seeing. This means something. When Jack walks her into the white and it's step, baptism. I think it's how Jack sees the world. Jack, I don't think Jack's Jack doesn't give a fuck about like, oh, let's let's put a cool backdrop back because Jack is about aesthetic beauty. Mm-hmm. He photo- the palette. He photographs mm-hmm. beautiful people. So when he looks at when. We're seeing what he sees in a way because when he looks at Jesse, that's all he sees. The world goes away and he's looking at that body. And I think it's such a it's such an interesting way for Refn to show us the world through Jack's eyes. Once you're on the set, everything's gone. It's just Jack and you. It's a bold choice to shoot in a wide and just eliminate. If you're going to shoot on a white screen, get close, you know. So, like, let's look at the details. Let's look at right. the details. But really, he's he's not showing us Jesse because Jesse's not her yet. Jesse's just this dowdy thing. When we finally see her, when, she's, when he forces her to strip nude, which is intensely uncomfortable to watch, mm-hmm. and then starts, like, 
rubbing the gold paint all over her body, that's when we get close because here's where we start to really examine the beauty. What we have to do first, though, to get to the beauty is erase the world. Mm -hmm. Everything that doesn't matter is everything that's not this girl. And now, kick everyone out, and now let's make this girl into my vision of this girl. He does a similar thing at the end with by the pool as well with the just the white tile pool and then the background is probably just sky. Yeah. It re- this movie really is a, not just about like here's beautiful images and here's beautiful things. This is about beautiful people and especially once you start introducing all the death, it's about beautiful bodies. It's about even when they're, you know, like the first shot we see is a dead person, but uh, we think. So it's a dead person, but it's a beautiful dead person. So you've reduced a human to beauty. Not, there's nothing there left except their aesthetic appeal. And that's what that's what Jack is like digging around for. He's trying to reduce human. He doesn't talk. He doesn't even fucking talk to his models. He's like, I don't care what you have to say. I don't care what you think. I don't care anything about you. But you, you are absolute beauty, and I'm going to capture it. He kind of mirrors the other guy, um, the runway uh, mm-hmm. dude, where it's like, oh, you're going to tell me that it's what's inside that counts? Yeah, that's exactly what I think. And he goes, beauty is the only, only thing. thing. Jack is like almost, an ex- almost like the next step of that in a way. Everything that you add other than your physical beauty only diminishes you in my eyes. So stand still, Strip don't talk. Yeah, I like it, man. I really liked it. There's a cool little moment at the runway show right before we get the cool, like, you know, uh, Suspiria, the ending of Suspiria in the middle <laughs> of the Neon Demon. Um, the woman that, the, you know, Jesse's sitting and waiting for no, makeup. No, the end of Suspiria is the end of this movie. When uh, that woman, uh, the, the plastic surgery woman, walks by Jesse and Jesse's sitting in her makeup mm-hmm. chair and she goes, You're in this show? Oh, yeah, they told me to wait for makeup. You're in my chair. It's another one of those bitch moves, like mm. those catty teenager. Because mm-hmm. she didn't even give a fuck. She was well. She was not six. Her chair. She six was. She'd already past. gotten makeup. Yep. She's done. Yeah, really like a clown, by the way. So we, Everybody's which is, makeup, oh yeah. my gosh, so both knows. Because she, the clown makeup. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, uh, so. yeah. Mm. If the woman who got her nose done like multiple times looks like a clown. When we wa- and I think it's important that we notice that Jesse doesn't have that makeup on in the show. Nope, she sure mm-hmm. does. She's the because cl- she's the closer. closer. And she, she's gonna get the set of steak knives or the car until and she, she looks gets a couple into the coffee, mirror. Coffee for closers. Exactly. Well, until she looks into the the triangle mirror, then her makeup gets very like dark and winged and where, where she turns black into like swan. the black mm-hmm. swan. Yeah. Oh, did you guys see? All the mirrors are tipped at different angles. Yeah. And then she turns back and walks, and I kind they're of like straight. jokingly said, "Oh, look, we get to see it again." Well, they're not because as she walks, you see like uh, the plastic surgery woman walks down this row of makeup mirrors, and as she passes each mirror, it's like a it's like a fun house in a way, you know, like you see the top oh, yeah. of her head, just her face, then she's like her whole body because the mirrors. Oh, it's the like, same thing as before, where they're all like dissected yeah. almost. Yeah, you you see like different see parts, parts of, of her, but the two mirrors, um, the mirror that is vacant at the beginning of the shot where so when she stops to confront Elle Fanning when she stops to like talk to Jesse the mirror that she's standing in front of is a full body mirror like the way it's angled you see the top of her head down to like her waist but the one that Jesse is sitting in front of is just like a face mirror so when she stops the their physical bodies in real space not reflected the um the plastic surgery woman is standing up and Jesse's sitting so the plastic surgery Gigi, Gigi, is that her name? Gigi. So Gigi is like the she's tall. She's in the superior position. She's in this dom position of dominance, and she talks to down to Jesse. She's like, "You're in my chair, right?" But the way the mirrors are canted, when they get up, 
and the woman sits down in her chair and Jesse sits down in the vacant chair to the right, the reflections show that this woman now is diminished just to a head mm. and Jesse's entire body is in. And just by a seating and moving over to that vacant seat, completely changed the dynamic of their... Life. I wrote down her pettiness literally diminishes Gigi. Yeah. Visually. And that's that's why they, I had such an appeal to Alicia's idea because I'm like, the movie... The dialogue here is kind of like just fatuous catty bitchiness. Yeah, yeah. But the What's mirrors... What's happening around but it? With yeah, the images, yeah. The mirrors are reflecting like literally like a shift in physical dynamic just by using like angle of reflection. That's fucking visionary shit, man. I was... So much of this movie was like... Half of my soul's going like, fucking take another pass at the script. And then the other half of me is like, I can't believe they just pulled that off. That was fucking jaw-droppingly good. Dude, he does this to me almost every goddamn time I watch a movie. Well, his, oh. When she, when, uh, after the, the, two, she wakes up and hears the rape that's happening in 214 and goes to Ruby's house and takes a shower. Like, the, the washing, uh, her makeup, like, running down her face and stuff. Um... The screaming that she heard. We talked about the sound design a little bit earlier. She hears, she essentially hears a rape and murder through a wall. And when she's in the shower, like washing all that off, there are no reflective surfaces and there are no other people around. So this is not her. She's stuck with herself for a moment. And yeah. We get to see that. We get to see like, w- this is a, this is a vulnerable moment for Jesse. And the screaming of that girl is it is like the subtlest sound design I've ever heard Ugh. because the screaming is in, it's like buried just under Cliff Martinez's score, the score. and mm-hmm. the water. Mm-hmm. So like the score and the water are like drowning it out, but they can't drown it out entirely nope. because it's still there. But just, you're not even, you're almost not sure that it is. Like it's that well blended into the mix. It's good, dude. It's that whatever else man there's there's moments in here where you're like well, i can't I'm even not, i'm i'm fully on board of like, uh, the whole mo- the moments are here yes yeah. yeah um so okay now now let's now that we've covered all the big topics and we're basically to the end of the film yes why don't we talk about necrophilia for a second sure oh my God. bird Give us your thoughts about the necrophilia scene. I all I honestly think that we should just like let's individually respond because I was not expecting nope what we saw there. Um, when she I went for the we, door, I think we all we had all the were same. like yeah, nope, like, no, nope, no, no, nope, no, nope. stop. We all knew it was coming. <laughs> well, what was I was I I think it was I started the the chorus of like oh no, and I said oh no she's not going for the oh no oh, she is oh no and then Carl goes oh. <laughs> oh no 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 i th- i think i know and she takes no. the gloves off and it's no. so like oh why so ruby tries to ha- tries to rape jesse and jesse pushes her off and then ruby goes to work as her job as like a mortician's makeup artist and she's looking down at this girl who looks this dead woman who looks kind of like, like jesse yep and then she like sighs and puts the makeup brush down and that was like my first inkling because mm-hmm. i kind of i've seen like only god forgives Did your balls tingle <laughs> No, like like Ew. no did yours man because mine mine were like seeking that's shelter my, that's my spidey sense for uncomfortable <laughs> oh, things yeah. happening oh. the bottom of my sack gets a little electricity mine mine, 
some, this is a very, I didn't ask for my superpowers. Oh my I was born an, with them. You're just catching an updraft off of hell. Yeah, you're like, exactly. oh, something wicked is coming. My balls are a tingle. <laughs> I get tickled by Satan. Oh, man. And you kind of, you kind of almost, because you, you were so used to like normal filmmakers, yeah. popular filmmakers being like, and then she walked over to the corpse and we cut to a new scene and you're left to infer. And I don't know. I kept, we get all of it. Mm-hmm. I kept waiting because she like reaches up to like pull the, pull the covering off of this dead body. And I'm like waiting for the cut. Yeah, I'm like, here it comes. She's gonna pull the cover, and here comes the cut. And you remembered you're watching a ref in film, and he don't cut. Nope, he don't cut. And you're like, oh wow, she pulled the sheet all the way off. And, and she has her incisions from her yeah. autopsy. autopsy. There's an, like autopsy scars, and, and shit. it's the rough so because they don't give a fuck. So it's right. a huge. It's like cat disgusting. gut, you know? Yeah. Oh my god! And then you're like, okay, well now she's she's naked, so she's gonna reach for the body, and then we'll cut. Nope. 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 She just climbs up we on get, it. You know, oh. all of it. It lasts so long. Like, I was... There's more in the uncut version, though. Oh, my God. It's, like, goopier than I was anticipating. <laughs> she spits in her mouth. Yeah. I was like... There's some, there's some trailing going on. Some some little streams, some strands. Little, little spider webbing. It's like she's doing the trick where she's like, she's like, I'm going to... And then I'm going to yeah. suck <laughs> it up at the end. But she's like... <laughs> oh, she's so gross. <laughs> That's so gross. Well, you don't want to practice on your friends, so you practice on the dead body. You're fucking of Carl. <sighs> <sighs> I don't know. Gross. Yeah, visceral reaction. Just I could barely even watch. Hands covering taboo. the eyes. Um, it was interesting that they interspersed that with like Jesse on the couch, right? Wearing the red, which I think is symbolic of something. I'm not sure what, but it's the colors Scarlet are important. Woman, and mm. her body is like the opposite of the cadaver, right? The dead woman. The so orientation. Like, I don't know if that flipped. means something. Um, A little mirroring. Yeah, mm. mirroring. Maybe. I mean, you've I you've seen you've seen Midsummer. You've seen some like fairly hectic flicks yourself. You know, mm-hmm. you're no you're no noob. But had you ever? I've I've watched a lot of pretty out there shit, and I've never seen. I've never. I've seen, we've we talked about it actually. We've seen a necrophilia scene in another movie. Yes, before Cemetery Man. Cemetery Man has necrophilia mm. in it too. But I've never seen anything like like that. Like that was they just gave it to you too. They're, and yeah. they're, they didn't doll it up. There's no like lighting. She. Uh, it's so aggressive at one point. I'm worried that the yeah. like the stitches are gonna, are gonna split. It's like and we're gonna primal. See yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's it's a lot. And given what we're about to see, because we're at the end of the movie now, knowing how the third act plays out, this is almost like the primer bulb to get us ready for what. Yeah, without that, that the ending makes no sense. You're like, why would she do that? But but also, I've never seen anything that would indicate yeah that that she has any sort of oddness. We need to see Ruby like desperately unhinged yep. because that's going to help us understand the shit that Ruby does. But exactly. also, as just as a viewer. We haven't seen anything yet that has been so harrowing and fucked up that we're going to be ready for the amount of fucked up harrowingness. That's about to happen. Yeah, so this this to me almost felt like like a couple of pumps on the atrocity bulb to be like. But man, talking for a primer, you're gonna your primer is fucking a dead person. Yeah, That's dude. Pretty. <laughs> I, I feel like feel I need a primer a for that. For Ruby, though, like how like that she's yeah a little bit like the extent of her loneliness is that she has to like go and like she can't feel love or acceptance or belonging or like she doesn't feel pretty even herself like she when she goes in to see jesse when she first gets to the house she like makes sure her her makeup is all perfect and nice and then even jesse comments on it like oh are you going out she's like no like she just wants to be seen like she's so lonely that she has to climb on top of a fucking dead person do you think so though 
so lonely and so, I think she likes but at the same time she's like very manipulative the only it, she's the spider drawing jesse into the web i think well this is such a gross sentence but it's true you just need to see her with her shirt off once her shirt comes off she is covered in ritual tattoos yeah her body is tattooed with like ritual magic we see her kill butcher and cannibalize a human I can't remember if you were upstairs or if you were here, but we were talking earlier. Like, do you th- do you think that these three women have killed and eaten other models? Are they like essentially a coven? Oh yeah. I think Jesse and Ruby are kind of the same person, but Ruby allowed herself to like fade into the shadows. She's the spider in the center of the web. Jesse learned how to survive Jessie's- in this world. No, I think they have the same ability. They can see somebody and deceive them into like playing into their fantasy or whatever and because jesse has that ability as well ruby can't operate her her like like, anima and animus yeah because when when jesse comes over to the house you know like i just saw murder and i i need somewhere to be tonight you know i don't think ruby's like if only i'm pretty enough maybe i can be with this girl jesse i think that the makeup that she's putting on and that like the kiss in the mirror she is super predator because when she gets in that room and she's like starts coming on to jesse and jesse's like oh is that i've never been with anyone anymore you can see ruby's face melt into like a like why don't you want to fuck me go from that to like a she's like oh i can use this there's a moment where it almost goes from like oh sweet thing but there's a moment where it flashes through like even better is Ruby like so desperately lonely or is Ruby part of a tripartite witch coven that repeatedly murders young girls and eats them in order to remain eternally young? I think given the, respo- the reaction we get from one of the young models at the end at the pool shoot yeah, where she says, what did you do to your competition? She says, I ate them. Mm. And yeah. the young the young woman has this very knowing look on her face yeah. like a fear. Like I think it's, it, I think there's an like people kind of know that that's a thing maybe that might be happening well the baby seal is like right yeah, there it's like exactly. so when you when you kill a baby seal for its fat so that you can remain young forever you're committing an atrocity it's yeah. it's that is magical thinking you make a sacrifice it's it's equal exchange when you do ritual magic you have to offer something of equal value for what you're asking for mm-hmm. so if you want to stay young and beautiful forever you have to sacrifice something young and beautiful if you want to so like baby the reason that she laughs is because killing a baby seal oh, how how cute how not, quaint you didn't go far enough oh do, i'm sorry did you do you kill the baby seal why do you want to look like a baby seal no 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 <laughs> darling you need to kill something that what these three women are doing is they're killing what they want to be in order to be it well you are to eat yeah you well, are what you eat quite literally yeah. that's what a oh my god good insight bro common <laughs> thought though yeah ancient civilizations yeah. you eat the heart of your enemy to In- gain his strength or whatever i don't you've all i'm not sure which who who of you here have heard this but this is a thing in modern times today rich people will purchase the blood of healthy young people and put it into their bodies they'll like do dialysis with younger people's blood to stay young it's kind of like hostile too what they have like the the cards like 18 year old uh Mm -hmm. athlete Mm -hmm. wrestler what i like you pick your you pick your uh person Right. Yeah, you pick and your And then person. you pay them like $100,000 for a pint of their blood or whatever the fuck it is. It's like, like repeated blood repeated treatments. Blood but yeah, treatments, like you yeah. do you th- this is a thing. Rich people will buy the blood of young, healthy, beautiful people in order to try and recapture youth and beauty. It's Elizabeth Bathory, but people are ostensibly like scientific. Placentas and weird shit. I mean, there's a whole mm-hmm, bunch of mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Christina mm-hmm. Hendricks did that. She caught a lot of flack after she had her baby cuz she ate the placenta and everyone was like 
that's Ugh. fucking gnarly. But you look into it, it's pretty common, actually. I don't know, man. I don't know. This that's one of the things I like because I can see your read of Ruby totally. She she does have this kind of like sad hangdog like. I just wish people would love me and I'm so lonely. That's but, also part of like the, I don't know, that's how she gets her, her victims. She appears. her web. Got uh, Jesse floating on a diving board. That That is a great shot, by the way. Yeah, the, yeah it is. The, the mono, okay. The monologue. Again, you, you say any shot in this movie and it's like, yeah, yes, it's, great. it's beautiful. It's really true. Like every time I'm like, and it just looks gorgeous. Okay, so like zero after we get through the dumb opening credit crawl. Once the movie starts, till basically the well, end credits start. Like the... Yeah, those those production companies. It reminded me of when I made movies in college. Yeah, and that was like 2003. So Adobe Premiere was pretty much what they did all of their. All, production all the production company, company logos. logos were like Adobe Premiere, uh, but it was like the old version. Yeah. So here's the end of the movie. I'm just going to say what happens, and then we'll talk about it, and then we'll get the fuck out of here. All right. Ruby comes back. Mm-hmm. Right. Because Jesse's been there the whole time. Right. She's Ruby from, hanging from out, the corpse. putting makeup right. on. And Ruby tries to rape Jesse. Jesse rejects that. Ruby goes and has sex with a dead body instead, and then comes home and is like, oh, good. Got that out of my system. And Jesse delivers a really catty monologue. Where she talks a big game and thinks she's hot shit, kind of, you know? Yep. I'm dangerous. I'm dangerous. My mom said I'm a dangerous girl, and I'm like 16 from Georgia, so you ain't know nothing about me. And you're like, okay, somebody first of all should have rewritten that, and it probably shouldn't have been Al Fanning. No offense to Al Fanning's performance, because Jesus, dude, the physical performance is unbelievable. Yeah, and then the other two models show up, and they've all got fucking, like, they all end up with kitchen knives, and then suddenly Jessie's running for her life, and it happens fast. Right, yeah. Like, right away. Oh, fuck. Yeah. She, she gets back in the house and like steps in the door and there's a figure to her left and you're like, oh, wait a minute, Ruby's outside. Who the fuck is that? And she turns and immediately... Oh, what are we having a party? <laughs> yeah. yeah. There kind is... of like the beginning of the movie too, yep. though. Like, mm-hmm. All right. More now, of the mirroring. I know her death is like really, really horrible, but the amount of bitch that's coming out of her near the end, did anyone else kind of, when she was dead, you were kind of like... Kind nope. of a little bit, yeah. You're almost like... Oh, Thank God. Got that out of she the way. She was turning into a monster. <laughs> you do kind of see like her soul get consumed and then yeah. literally her body is consumed by those like the... Or we're seeing the real her for the first time and it's a monster. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. I don't know if there is any real her though. Well there may yeah, that's a, that's a good blank. point too. Yeah. Maybe she's maybe she's reflecting okay, Ruby shows up stinking to death, you know, and well, she's who, got Jesse's Jesse's a mirror, you know? So like Ruby shows up having just done this like I just fucked a corpse and I you know, she's in like witch mode. So what do we see reflected back? Jesse in witch mode. Mm. She's floating on a fucking diving board like in the air and she's like my mother told me I was a dangerous girl, Karis. You know, <laughs> priest. You know, she's almost like, it's almost like exorcisty. but is she feeding off a ruby? And is that where that's coming from? And then she steps no, in the Ruby's door. Ruby's feeding off of her, but... Oh, quite you know, literally hey. in a bit. <laughs> so we get a fun little chase scene. It's a little tit for tat, actually. Yeah. A little tit for tat. And then we go into the shower like and it's <laughs> tit for tit. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. But, uh, psh, sorry. Um, so Ruby... This is actually a pretty gross death, dude. It is. Ruby like shoves her into the deep end of the pool. We don't see her hit. No. But you which hear is her hit. Incredible. When oh the the the, the like the foley? The yeah, the push and the splurt. Ooh. And yeah, you're like, yeah. oh god, no. Your toast. That's the deep end. And the push reflects Keanu Reeves shoving her against the railing earlier in the thing. You you kids are all the same, bang. And then that's how she ultimately dies as well. And earlier with the Keanu Reeves scene, that's where the fucking Puma rolls in. 
I know it got kind of dark. Got to like stormy for a minute. We got to stop talking about witchcraft soon. Then you can't do that in a haunted house, Carl. <laughs> but uh, when we cut, George is all right. George is chilling. He's chilling. George is fine. He's a bro. When we cut to the overhead and start panning down, and like Jesse's legs are just like broken out to the oh. fucking side, and that like big pool of blood you behind her head. What I appreciate about this shot the most is that we don't see any bone poking out. Yep, we don't see you. any like neck weird break. Things aren't in completely the wrong orientation. She's yeah. still beautiful. Because that is still a stretch. You can you can sit like that naturally. If you're flexible, you can sit. There's nothing strange about but because she's in the bottom of a pool and just landed that way, you know every part of her is broken. Right. Without having <sighs> to see any like but just that the slow red, pool of, blood. red yeah. pool of blood coming out from behind her, and her performance—fuck yes—is the, the best. The, the best death scene I think I've ever seen. It's yeah. <laughs> I know, dude. I'm getting up my neck right Sorry, now. Dog. It's yeah. it's, <laughs> it's it's the like it's as she turns her head. It's like the shake as she turns her head because yep, the nerves aren't working, working, you know. And it's and the, the breathing where it's toes, like and the sounds in her throat. <laughs> She's you know? in her death throes, but it's not like she's over ju- the top. Just fucking brilliant. And she's looking at the stars. Yeah, for a oh. moment, and then and then she looks at the the women's the, these tall, beautiful blurs stalking towards her with knives swinging nonchalantly from their sides, mm-hmm. even approaching her, even out of focus, even knowing they're about to kill her. Still beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there's something also. How fucked is it that the last thing we see from of her story is literally through her eyes? Yeah. Because she's has brain damage and can't see anymore. So like that's why that shot's out of focus. We're in her eyes sideways, watching her killers approach us. And the next thing we see is someone's eyes open. And it's Ruby. And it's oh, Ruby it's, yeah. and that fucking Ruby. Ruby. All right. So one, two, skip a few because we already talked about the shower scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, Jack. Like he, uh, Jack sees. Is it? Is it the? Is it Sarah that he sees? Like lounging on the couch. I think uh-huh. so. Is it the yeah. Schlanger girl. I'm. I'm. I'm here for my friend. Yeah. Oh, that was a horrible. So it was alright. It's the neighborhood. For me, for me, friend. That's like so. David Rowney is on the couch. He's. I'm here for me friend. That. <laughs> what? <laughs> Have I met you before? No, I'm only waiting here for my friend. What? <laughs> All right, sorry, I made a terrible error. I'm going back out. <laughs> so the the two girls who consume, you know, the two models who consume Jesse, basically both land this this yeah, photo. The magic worked for a minute, a moment, and they they land this like this is it. This is their break, man. The photo set with Jesse or with Jack. Awesome. Jesse's dead. She's out of the picture. We're back in the limelight. And the shoot is pretty cool too. Like the, yeah. it, it does have that, like that, like capital H capital a high art bullshit vibe, but it works because but this is because that's that high art. Yeah. Shoot, that's right? what we're seeing. It works. We're yeah. literally seeing like Losty Vogue center. Yes. This is, spread. this yeah. is like Vogue. This is like the Vogue cover shoot, you know, where you're just, you know, sometimes you pick up an issue of Vogue and you're like, I don't know. I guess I don't understand fashion anymore. And you throw Vogue back in the trash, you know, like that's what we're seeing. Ah, Maxim. Perfect. <laughs> this is more my speed. <laughs> but you know, you see uh, the one girl. Not um, it's not Sarah. It's the other character. That the Gigi. Gigi. Gigi starts to. She's got some rumblies in her tumblies. She's not feeling so good. Ate some dairy, probably. Yeah. yeah, most likely. It's that fruit cup yeah. from two days ago. Oh yeah, the had. fruit cup from Wednesday. <laughs> Bad dates. Very dangerous. You go first. But uh, she she starts getting like this. Like she's like gonna throw up. 
Yeah. And she stalks off set and walks away off into the this. eyes in the pool are watching her. Yeah. What? Yeah, so, like, she keeps looking into the pool. In the pool, I saw the like po- eyes. Oh. And they're swirling around. See, I saw the lights, but I didn't equate them to eyes. Yeah. Okay, okay. I might have I was to watch like, that. Oh, scene googly again. eyes, tee hee. Yeah. Now that would be funny if like she looks she looks down and it's like the pool and then they they like visual effects in some like of the like like folklore effects like damn alicia yeah take me through the very end of this uh what were what was your reaction to uh to gigi's stomach upset yeah well at first i thought i don't know like i thought she was like going to birth something like i thought Mm. i didn't yeah she kept gagging and i mean that hinted okay she's gonna throw up or whatever but i thought she was like going kind of like um ruby in the the moonlight gonna like something come out of her it's gonna be a creature i don't know but yeah, just the whole thing was super unsettling. The eating the eyeball. Oh, it was so okay. hard to watch. That dude, it literally looks like a shot from like daytime television, like ER or something. Yeah, like a, like a birth scene. You know, she's looking up into the camera, and we're getting like the oh, yeah. yeah, and you're like, oh my god, is she gonna birth? I'm like, dude, I almost would like the movie more if, like, we, you know, you get, like, Elle Fanning coming out, like, fucking Ace Ventura coming out of the elephant's ass. Yeah. <laughs> like, just comes out all slick with blood and then walks out and Jack but is, she's like... Now, but she's now Gandalf the White. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Jesse, yes, I was once known as... It's Ian McKellen. Right. It's not even Elle Fanning anymore. Ian McK- as, oh, yeah, I am Sauron. Jack comes in, looks at fucking Ian McKellen standing there all slick with blood, and he's like... This is a closed set. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's and then credits roll. <laughs> oh, I would watch him put gold paint on Ian McKellen. So would I. I'd watch the two of them just rub gold paint uh, all over each other for like maybe an hour actually. I could do an hour of that. And it's just him reading like soliloquies. We can't we can't go down this road because we haven't made two ply yet, and now we have a a two gold body paint movie that we can't make. We can't do this, Carl. Gigi ultimately like she's like uh, I gotta, uh, she Harry carries herself. Well, she hits the, he, she hits her knees and Gigi vomits up an eyeball, a full eyeball. We talked about this. It's dumb as fuck. Okay, a real yeah, eyeball. Like that, you vomit up a real eyeball, and I think what did I say? It looks like a real eyeball would yeah. look like a picked blister. Is that right? Yes. It looks like picked blister skin, but so you this is a glass eye. I, I don't know. There's a way to do it where, because I've eaten cow eyeballs before. Like, yeah. Just don't make it an eyeball. Make it a finger. Make it a finger. Make it something. Make it. No, but it I understand it has to be an eyeball because of the, the eye. The eye. It's all about voyeurism. And, 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 yeah. and also. But it looked like they forgot that they needed an eye on the day. So they got a ping pong ball and a Sharpie and made an eyeball. Was it supposed to be absurd? Like. I don't know. I'm not going to apologize for the filmmaking anymore. It's just, like, it's just bad. I thought, okay, so like of all of the stuff that I saw, I love all of the effects. A lot of the blood looks great. Yeah. The only thing that is where they kind of, the, the movie kind of shits the bed at the end is that prosthetic is not good. No. For a dude who, has, I mean, dude, that those autopsy scars during the necrophilia Gross. scene, that looks like a dead woman. Hammer hand and fucking Hammer drive. hand and drive, fucking only God forgives, cutting his mom's womb open. All that shit is a hundred out of a hundred. This eyeball is like they, they ran troop, down man. to like the party store and got the gag yeah. eyeball. Yep. 
it is not that awesome. I don't know, the women look really plastic and synthetic, and maybe like they're trying to have some no, continuity with that. I don't know. I'm really stressed. I know. A, that's sometimes a reach. you gotta reach. I know. I know. <laughs> look, I love the movie too, Alicia, but I'm not trying to justify the eyeball. It. Ain't no good at all. Um, but I. But the, it doesn't make the eating of it any less gross, though. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah, it's pretty gross. And the the, scissor, the scissors the, the scissors oh, Harry Carry looks. That Harry Carry. Seppuku. Seppuku. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's not give. Seppuku well, is pretty specific. Is very specific yeah. How about this? She, you need the, she didn't she have guts the, uh, herself she with a pair of scissors. Oh, what the fuck do you call that? The anyway, she didn't have the the blade. She didn't have her second. Anybody who have. wants to see proper Harry Carey can watch Forty Seven Ronin with Keanu Reeves. With Keanu Reeves. You get to watch Forty Seven people do it all at once at the end of the movie. It's pretty. Uh, so it's pretty. I like that movie a lot. Not that the effects are good. No, but don't worry about it. No. Um. So man, I don't know. Like she, she guts herself. Very itchy lip all <laughs> Like chick monk. Here, I'll, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> but she, she like guts herself, and then like her head's back, and all this looks beautiful. But then, the, dude, the shots. I don't know if this was intentional or not because they kept cutting back to fucking so absurd. to Sarah and Sarah's standing there. That look on her face, like the... giant sunglasses. Uh, oh I'm with you with the lip. Like she's like utterly stoic watching this. The most insane thing you've ever seen. She looks you know? like a meme. She does look yeah. like a meme. It, that's like, a that's a gif. You know, that's it's a like gif. it's like mm. vomit up the eyeball, cut back to like stoic, like full on like Neo from the Matrix, like Matrix Two. It's like the twins, yes, yeah, yes, like standing there, like just staring, and then. As soon as she like guts herself, we cut back and we were all laughing. Yes, it's so goofy. It's so absurd what we're seeing. But that I'm with you, Bird. That little like that little like one side of the lip twitches up. <laughs> perfect. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's just so perfect. And then I don't know, man. Maybe maybe we see it coming, or maybe I've just watched too many fucked up movies. Oh, but... I knew as soon as the eyeball came up yep, that I'm like, she was gonna be. Yeah, eating she's it. like, yeah, yeah. ooh, a bonbon. I'm like, Ugh. I'm like, Sarah's eating that eyeball, and I actually have a cool theory about that, which is. I think what that moment means, the eating of the eyeball, I don't think that's just like Refn being like, I'm going to gross you out. I think that's Refn being like, let me show you how these women think. When she picks that eyeball up, you can almost see her thought. And it's like, okay, I can be this much more beautiful. Yep. Mm. Just, I ate this whole body and it got me this gig. If I eat this, I'm going to be just a little bit more than I am. Mm-hmm. There's it shows you that there is no line for this person. She mm-hmm. eats up a vomited human eyeball to get just a little bit more beauty. Ugh, I'm just thinking about what a f- just what a saying that. saying saying it out loud just sounds so absurd. It really does. Like what a ticket price though to stay young and beautiful. Ugh. You know what I mean? It's I know, man. Me like <laughs> Sorry, giving me acid <laughs> reflux. Oh, all right. So and and then after that, um, there's a really fun Sia music video in the credits roll. Well, there's there's like several denouement, not denouement, but like it doesn't end. I feel like we get the Return of the King ending here, where we have like five different fade to black come up yeah. we have other things happening no no we get the ruby thing this, we get the, the these two things right mm-hmm. after after the eyeball's the end the, the eyeball's the end i'm sorry yeah, yeah no right. the, the fr- yeah the, the first like false ending is ruby like with the blood right or is like, it ruby in the grave with the roses okay yeah okay there are multiple like ends. little ends little yeah, yeah we've talked idiots. a lot we've talked a lot about like beautiful shots that are just you know like he's obviously he's just showing you something. ruby in the grave is beautiful i we talked about it with um um brokeback mountain how there's that one shot during the fourth of july like if you could screenshot that give me a high quality print i would hang it in my oh, house's art her laying face down in that grave in that field of flowers i would absolutely frame and and, yeah. and hang yeah. that <laughs> 
It's yeah. just like, it's just goose. Dude, half of the visuals in this just give me goosebumps. And then people talk and you're like, no. fuck, you fucked right. that up. I'm going to go get a drink. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> um, and that's basically it. Any, any final thoughts on the Neon Demon? No. These headphones are really good. I hear li- like every like tap pop. It's crazy yeah, how I good know. these are, dude. <laughs> I kind of love them. I kind of heard your, you your anuse open and think about a fart <laughs> earlier. <laughs> earlier, I was like, I leaned over and Carl was like, "Don't you do it?" And I was like, "How did he know? How did he know? <laughs> it's the headphones." Did we decide who the neon demon is? Well, Bird has a trivia question about it. Oh yeah, it was not the original title. There was a different title. I uh, Blue Harvest. <laughs> Let's hear, let's do this. We sure. all know how we started. Yeah, yeah. Has this two and a half hour conversation about the Neon Demon changed anyone's opinion? Have has have you shifted at all, Bird? Uh, I originally said I wouldn't watch this again, but I would watch this again. I would just be so fucking high. Yeah, I want to watch this one again, but with some like Dirty Girl Scout or whatever you call the. Yeah. That Dirty Girl Scout. That's a shot. What's the one with Girl Scout cookies? Girl Scout cookies. That's what it's called. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Girl Scout cookie. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For sure. I would watch it if that's what we're talking about. If we would watch it again, I would watch it again because I stick by my original statement that it's like poetry and speaks Mm -hmm. through symbols and images. And I think second watch, you'd catch more of that and piece more of it together. Yeah, kind of tease a little more. Exactly. Watch more of it. Get 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 in the headspace proper before. Right. Right. You know what to expect. Final question. Do you, would you or do you recommend this movie to uh, to our casual listener? Because this is a bit of a you got to. Well, you just made a pretty big caveat there. Ca- not caveat. No, but no. Ca- to, it's a casual listener. I didn't mean to. I no. didn't mean to. Do you, okay. So you you meet you meet a person on the street and they're like they're like, hey, Neon Demon, should I watch that? Do you say yes or do you say no? No. There's got to be an asterisk. Like yeah. yes, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, well, what kind of movies do you like? I'd have to have a little bit of pre conversation. I think about. What movies do you like? Do you not like? Do you have any hard no's? Like, okay. is it clowns and rape? Um, <laughs> like, where are you? I gotta have the DD conversation first. Sure, sure. But I think if if I kind of know the person, I know they're a fan of like capital F film. I would mm-hmm, say give mm-hmm. it a spin. Yeah. If they're like, what's a movie? I've seen ten of them. I'd be like, maybe give it a pass. Watch these other five movies Cannonball instead. Cannonball Run is a pretty, you know, like no. But I would give them the. I give him an Aronofsky to watch. I give him a Lynch to watch. I give him like Link five. Later. I give him five movies to watch as homework, as a primer. Jarmish to mm. then to then get into this. You do have to. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. And probably like another Refn first, like Drive. Probably Driver Drive. Bronson. Driver, Driver Bronson, Bronson like, would be a if, good primer if, for this. If that didn't land for you at all, if you hated it, Skip. then maybe give it a pass. But if you found Drive or Bronson to be interesting, or at least kind of like wet your whistle then definitely give this movie a spin absolutely i would i would recommend this one but with the caveat my only caveat would be like it's a little fucked up and it's very weird but other than that like and then you know it's the same thing i always say like midsummer is a pretty harrowing film but if it you know like top 10 movie for me exactly if you're i mean look if you're an adult you got two hours to kill you got nothing going on and you're curious watch the neon demon it's you're not gonna your eyes aren't gonna be bummed no it's fucking super beautiful and you're gonna buy the score you're gonna buy the score so just know you're in for a penny and then you're in for 9.99 on yep. itunes so that's all we got for the neon demon we went really long today but it was this is a controversy it's worth it it's a divisive film and i'm glad we talked about it um alicia thank you so much you're for- divisive Ooh. i only i didn't do it the whole episode you didn't, you didn't. you're and bringing I had it back circle. Yeah. thank you um thanks for being on yeah, much appreciated 
Awesome. I had no idea what to expect. So. Yeah, well, uh, listen to our show more. Bird yeah. left half an hour ago, yeah. um, <laughs> so she's gone. But thank you to thank you, Bird, when you listen back to this because she does listen to all of our episodes, of course. Um, next week, if you want to keep if you want to keep pace with us and watch the movie that we're going to be talking about next time, watch. Uh, we said it was going to be Jacob's Ladder. I'm going to put Neon Demon up first. Nice. Um, so if you haven't seen Jacob's Ladder yet, give that a spin. Yeah, yeah, that is an unequivocal recommendation for sure. Watch Jacob's Ladder. It's so fucking good, and there's not much in it that is like going to mess with you if you're not into that kind of thing. It's right. a mind trip, but it's not like so fucked. That no you can't watch it. to listen to. No, there is no necrophilia. Because I'm only giving you things you joke about with That's your friends and silent living. And the only difference is I got the balls of Satan in front of y'all, and I haven't got to be false or sugarcoated at all. Mm. Walk, talk, and act like me just might be the next best thing, but not quite me. We're gonna get sued. It's too many lines. You give yeah. us too much of the song, Carl. We're gonna get sued. Damn it. <laughs> it's at the end of the episode. If the fucking censors are like, they'll two, never, they'll never two make two and a half deep. hours in. I'll, I'll do the whole Eminem, the Marshall Mathers show right now. Just... If we get a call, about, yeah, if we get a call about that, I'll be like, I'm glad you guys are fans because that was deep. That in That was there. deep that in. Was deep in there. All right, so Jacob's Ladder next week. Stay tuned. It's gonna be a mind warping month, and we're glad to have y'all in for it. So uh, stay beautiful. <laughs>